0: I mean, what's that football focus doing? Last week they had Brady, this week they got Brainy. We're doing it, we're literally doing it differently from everybody else. Hey, as a matter of fact, moving forward yeah. from this point on, I will not make reference to PFL. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. Alright, so, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about and stuff. Am I going to get too illegal legal on this?
1: I yeah, like football, like football season all the things that go with it.
0: Welcome into the PFF NFL podcast, Steve Palazzolo, Sam Monson. We're live on YouTube, and it's week 18, Sam. 18. 18. hmm Last week of the season, it's the last full preview show of the year. The last six-hour show, game by game, 16 games. This is it. Wrapping it up. Yeah. We have a whole bunch of backup quarterbacks this week, so might not get into it too much. But yeah, <laughs> we're going to get into all the games. Here, week 18, the storylines and all the fun. still don't. My body's saying playoffs.
1: Yeah. Well, you just don't acknowledge this week as a, as a I thing. I don't.
0: If you, listen, if your favorite player hasn't broken the record yet Didn't count. for a counting stat, too late. Mm-hmm. Better luck next year. Mm-hmm. It's over. It's over. This, this week doesn't count.
1: Cut off. Cut a off, lot of the NFL
0: is basically agreeing. A <laughs> lot of backup quarterbacks here. Um, including a real interesting decision with the Rams, which we'll get into when we get there, because they have seating available. Mm. They have options to move up, and they decided they're still sitting Matthew Stafford.
1: Yeah, and the Rams have always been sort of at the forefront of this sitting down players. I mean, the Sean McVay Rams. Like, remember, they were the first team that started to basically say nobody of any consequence is seeing the field in preseason. And now, well, actually, in that time, everybody started to copy that, and now it's actually starting to come back around in the other direction again, but... Point being, he was the first to be like, "There is no value in this," and now apparently
0: is is willing to
1: throw away playoffs, eating even to to
0: stick with that. Um, and then before we get into it, just a quick reminder to the people where they can vote for the PFF NFL podcast as American Football Podcast of the Year. We get the uh, link in the description, but we'd appreciate your vote. We're a finalist for Best American Football Podcast, at least in the top ten here, minimum top ten but we wanna be number one and we want you guys to be number one because we're all in in this together. So go vote if you can, preferably on your desktop.
1: Well, I mean, you can vote however you want. It's just that it might not even work in your desktop. (laughs) That's the problem. Anything else? No, I mean, I've been out here on every radio hit I do. I'm shilling for votes. I'm like a politician over here, just just trying to get your vote.
0: You gotta remind me, I got uh, Pittsburgh. I'm sure the Pittsburgh people, when I do radio later today, I'm sure we'll get a ton of voters. To go from, the, from Pittsburgh radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I uh, love you. My Seattle radio hit. We got we to get that going. All right, you ready to talk some football? Mm-hmm. Speaking of Pittsburgh, it's the first game of the weekend. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens. It's 4.30 Saturday afternoon, and the Steelers are favored by four because Lamar Jackson sitting. It's going to be Tyler Huntley, pro bowler, starting in this, this game. Year. And um, Steelers need the win to get into the playoffs.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. Um, And this is a weird game because Baltimore, not only are they, you know, they've decided, they have the, not only just their decision come down to do they want to help Pittsburgh or not, right? Because obviously their part is locked up, but they are actually incentivized to lose this game for their own benefit. Because if you look at um, playoff odds, if you look at uh, Super Bowl odds, all those kinds of things, Right now, the market says Buffalo is the second best team in the in the AFC, even though they might not even make the playoffs. Right, the the market says the Buffalo is the sec, is the biggest threat to Baltimore within the conference, and Baltimore losing actually makes it more difficult for Buffalo to make the playoffs this year, the, the, this week. So, the only thing that Baltimore actually determines is like how much do we care about helping Pittsburgh, or how much do we care about actually trying to make it more difficult for Buffalo. So theoretically, if you're playing the percentages and looking at like, what is our edge here? Our edge is obviously keeping everybody healthy. That's one part of it. But we're actually incentivized to lose because Buffalo is the team we want to face the least in the postseason.
0: On the other hand, if Buffalo, if Pittsburgh loses and Buffalo wins, so Buffalo doesn't win the AFC East, Miami wins it. Buffalo has a real good chance to be the sixth seed and go into Kansas City. So through that lens, Baltimore, if they beat Pittsburgh, knock them out, you're assured of either the Bills or the Chiefs, who are probably the biggest challenges. I mean, Miami's up there too, of course. They would have had that; they'd have the two seed. But two of the biggest challenges, Buffalo and Kansas City would have to play each other in the first round. Mm-hmm. So there's that perspective as well. You could, you know, if Pittsburgh wins, maybe Buffalo's out totally. But if Buffalo's in, they could end up playing Kansas City round one. Um, Pittsburgh scenarios here they they get in with a whim reading all the scenarios it's scenario Thursday great podcast it's, it's my favorite podcast this is why we're nominated for awards this is actually I'm not built for week 18 but I'm, I'm built for the last week of the season whenever it is mm. Pittsburgh's in with a win plus a Buffalo loss or a win plus a Jacksonville loss or a tie or a Pittsburgh win plus a Houston Indianapolis tie or Pittsburgh tie right, we gotta stop at the ties That's too much.
1: Yeah. We won't do the
0: other ties. Great. But it would be funny if Pittsburgh wins on Saturday in Houston and Indy is if they tie, (laughs) Pittsburgh gets in, regardless of what else happens. Okay. Uh, What else are we looking for in this game? I mean, the big story for the Steelers here is it's another Steelers-like season, pretty much for the third straight year. Everything in Pittsburgh feels not great. How they win in these games, how they pulling it off. Remember, we're eight, nine games into the season. They had not outgained their opponent. Yeah. And they were still six and three.
1: They fired Matt Canada.
0: They fired Matt Canada.
1: First time since the Depression that they'd fired somebody.
0: And it seemed like there was life from the offense, but not points. There was yeah. life, but not points.
1: But only for like a week.
0: With Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett gets hurt. Mitch Trubisky comes in. He's terrible. And then Mason Rudolph comes in. Saves the day in two straight weeks of 30 plus points in Pittsburgh to the point now where, look, the offense does look different with Mason Rudolph. They're running the ball a lot better. They're running the ball often. And especially last week in Seattle, there were big plays down the field. Yeah, and again, against, against Cincinnati two weeks ago, 86 yarder to George Pickens. There were some big plays from the past game as well.
1: And it's been like all the way through the year with multiple different quarterbacks, generally the answer has been, if you just start force feeding George Pickens, good things will happen. Like, he may have that, you know, the, the, the lazy sort of tape where he just didn't bother blocking for Jalen Warren and then tried to make out like that was normal. But he is their best playmaker, like, by a distance. And if they just start feeding him the football all the way through the year, whether it's, you know, slants to the house, whether it's a rare in-breaking route deeper down the field, whether it's down the field on the sideline, like, whatever, just get the guy the ball because he's by far your best playmaker.
0: Um, so my, my question is, so obviously Pittsburgh's playing for something. I do think Baltimore at the end of the day says rest is the best the best way to go but as we always say you can't literally rest every single starter I mean there you I mean you do have a backup at every position right but you only have you know eight to ten offensive linemen healthy I mean uh, active you have to keep some of your starters in there where what can Baltimore even bring to the table here as a team that by the way is very good in the preseason all the time and and I think that's in part because of their depth because they're just fundamentally sound in their depth but are we going to see defensively I assume we're never we're not going to see Kyle Hamilton battling his injuries are we going to see Roquan Smith in the middle of the defense Justin Matabuike at defensive tackle I don't know how much Baltimore is even going to put their starters out there and then they have the two weeks off before they're by or yeah before their next game. I mean
1: given that as I said they theoretically they're incentivized to lose they've already kind of declared effectively that they're going to be resting people I would imagine this will be as bare bones a team as you can make putting out there like nobody that's dealing with any kind of injury is going to play nobody that's in serious uh that's a serious consequence of the team's uh playoff hopes is going to play it's going to be a preseason outing
0: I would imagine all right the uh the line right now is three and a half uh you had it at four when you put the lines in so it's three and a half and uh Pittsburgh's favored Anything else you want to add to this? You got T.J. Watt, you know, the, the defense too. You've made the point. They've, they've dealt with all these injuries. I think they're getting Minka back. I think they're getting some guys back here this week. But they've dealt with an overhaul in the secondary, but they've still rallied. And that has been the key for Mike Tomlin. You know, a lot of people in Pittsburgh have wanted Mike Tomlin out this year. But he did it again, man. Coming off back-to-back losses to the Patriots and Cardinals when it should have been rock bottom right. for this franchise this year. Uh, Big Ben's calling them out and the whole thing. Then they bounce back. They're like, sure, we're going to win the next two games. And a tough one in Seattle last week to, to keep their playoff hopes alive. So Steelers favored by three and a half here. Where are you going?
1: Uh, I am going to go with Pittsburgh. I mean, they, they need the game. It matters to them. Doesn't matter to Baltimore. And I don't think Baltimore's backups are that good relative to Pittsburgh starters.
0: Yeah, I think that's the key. Uh, I'll also take the Steelers to cover. It is interesting the lines moving a little bit you know, in the Ravens' favor here as we get closer. Don't know how much information Vegas has as to who's going to play for Baltimore, but like I said, you have to have some sprinkling of starters in there. I'm just not really sure how many. All right, before we get into the second Saturday game, as a parent, you've had to learn so many new skills to provide for your family, how to do copious amounts of laundry, meal plan for even the pickiest eater, and now how to protect your family's financial future. Fabric by Gerber Life provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs, offering high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible, flexible policies that fit your family and your budget, like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You can go from start to cover in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. So join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com pffnfl. That's meetfabric.com slash PFF NFL. M E E T, fabric.com slash PFF NFL. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Insurance Company, not available on certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Saturday night. This is a fun one. AFC South. I meant So if Pittsburgh wins, they're rooting for a tie mm. on Saturday night. Houston Texans at the Indianapolis Colts. Texans favored by one. Playoff spots on the line for both. They're both. Uh, nine and seven right nine and seven texans and colts um afc south they're all tied they're tied with jacksonville and the afc south is still out there for both teams the texans and the colts they would need the jacks to lose though the winner so whichever team wins is rooting for jacksonville to lose
1: (laughs) got it this is gonna be terrible podcast it's gonna
0: be a great podcast As I stumble through, there is simply no way all the that
1: Gardner Minshew can be involved in a tie. He will not allow it to happen. Won't allow Him it. individually will not allow that to happen. If it's down to the last play of the game, somebody will put up points, whether it's his team or the opposition. <laughs> there will be points on the final play of the game if it is down to the wire in overtime. I like it.
0: So, no ties here.
1: No ties. It's not going to happen.
0: Uh, Minshew's played a lot cleaner the second half of the season after uh, a crazy first half. But um, we've talked a lot about the Colts, their offensive line. They got Braden Smith back last week and how he's playing through injury, but he's better than poor Blake Freeland. He is. Uh, Michael Pittman being back last week opens up that o- that offense. They, there's been a bit of a revolving door at running back, and I think this is what speaks to the offensive line is they've had success with Zach Moss running the ball, whether it's Jonathan Taylor back there. Um, they've gotten a little life from Trey Sermon showing up here with a couple big big plays over the last few weeks so um indy's that team where i don't I don't think you can put your finger on how it's all working other than i think shane Sykin's coaching really well and they're making the pieces work there on both sides of the ball
1: yeah both defensive lines have been really big parts of their success this year um houston's i think is a little more obvious obviously they traded for will anderson uh jr or not traded, traded and then drafted. Um, they brought in Derek Barnett. They've they've had some players that are producing and have been producing consistently all the way through the season. Anderson looks like a really good player for them, uh, even as a rookie. And then Indianapolis, you know, that defensive line, given they're one of those teams that does not like to blitz at all, like incredibly br- blitz reluctant. They rush four, those four need to win, and they have been winning pretty much through the year. And again, it's a collection of guys that, you wouldn't say should have an amazing success rate guys like samson ebukam has become you know pretty good pass rusher for them uh, just as an individual rushing four so both those defensive lines i think have been really impressive this year i think houston has a bit more everywhere else um and i think obviously they have the better quarterback in cj Stroud, even though he's just a rookie
0: yeah i mean houston look i, I don't know if i'm Overrating Houston versus Indy. They're both they're both nine and seven. I think a part of the nine and seven record though. C.J. Stroud missing back to back weeks, yeah, They lost one of those games. Um, H- Houston feels like the team if they get into the playoffs because of Stroud, what he's done in crunch time. Even though he's a rookie, right? I yeah, I expect him to play similar ball in the playoffs. Even though it, it'd be his first time doing that. The way Stroud has led some of those fourth-quarter comebacks and the way D'Amico Ryan's defense, the way that defense has started to kind of take on that personality, all the defensive line additions that you've mentioned and how they've played, Derek Stingley stepping up in his second year at corner. Texans have some intriguing pieces to to go into a Kansas City and maybe pull an upset or whatever it might be. Um, Scenario-wise, Houston, as I mentioned, both teams win the AFC South if they win and Jacksonville loses. And then Houston can still get into the playoffs if they win and there's other stuff but they got to win it's win and you're probably in for both teams here Mm -hmm. win and you're well houston win and you're in and colts win and they need some help
1: yep i'm going with the uh, texans i think that they are a better football team when cj stroud is there even though you know they don't have tank dell like they, they did earlier in the season um i just think they have more to that team
0: you're going right to the picks huh yeah nothing else to add no good I'll also take Houston. It's week 18. we got we got to fire through this. It's week 18. We're going fast. But these are the big games. These are the games that matter the most. Do we have a Discord game of the week?
1: Ooh, it's a good question. Let me check.
0: I got to go check that out. We'll, we'll start getting into some of the four, the uh, the Sunday games. We're both taking the Texans here Saturday night. I'm looking forward to that game. A couple island games there. All right, Sunday, here's what they've done. They've split up the schedule. we got six 1 o'clock and seven 425 starts. That's how the NFL's been doing week 18. Madness. You know, what is it?
1: Madness. Uh, Bears-Packers is the Discord game. Of
0: the Let's week. get to that then. It's one of the four twenty-five games, and we've got the Packers favored by three. Of course, the Bears are uh, no. The Bears are f- officially eliminated from the playoffs at seven and nine. Um, but the Bears are seven and nine, man. They're, yeah, they're uh, they're back now. They're they're on, they're in a bit of a roll. So you have Justin Fields coming off of one of his best games. Jordan Love continues to play extremely well, one of our highest graded quarterbacks over the last six or seven weeks, coming off a great game again last week on Sunday Night Football. Packers playing for their playoff lives here. What are you looking for in this? I
1: mean, totally different game. This is one of the rare ones where, like so many times now, these division games are stacked to the back end of the season, so these teams all play each other like twice in three weeks or whatever. Um, And you're like, well, we kind of saw this a couple of weeks ago. What's different this time? This game, was week one so it's week one and week 18 this this in this division uh split the teams could not be more different than they were the last time they met i mean you've got green bay jordan Love is coming off this incredible performance where we talked about how he has the tendency every now and again to catch fire kind of like the nba jam thing you know where he just hits the run and then <laughs> he's, he's on fire then he can't miss uh so he's he had one of those games the Packers' defense, like Joe Barry's defense, was amazing against Minnesota. And that, like, off the back of several games in which he'd been, or his defense had been catastrophic. And we were saying, you know, five different quarterbacks or whatever have had their best game this year against that defense. So can he do that twice? Or was that just one game with his back up against the wall against the Vikings, who were starting a rookie quarterback? Uh, Can he do that against Justin Fields? And then Chicago, like, everything is better right now. I mean, yeah it, it's been sort of since fields came back from injury but remember what he was like before he got injured which was to say bad i mean earlier in the year there were games where um he had wide open receivers and not only not only was he sort of missing them he wasn't even seeing it like either he couldn't pull the trigger when he'd seen it or simply he wasn't seeing it at all I mean, he looked lost. The injury, in a weird way, might have actually been the best thing that could have happened to him because he got to sit down and reset. But since coming back, Fields has taken a huge step forward, not just, you know, the running aspect, but as a passing, processing, pocket quarterback. I mean, he's doing things now that he simply wasn't doing earlier in the year before he got hurt. And that makes everything about Chicago a different
0: prospect that, that was the that was one of the curious things of this season why we were having that same conversation last year. That's you know he was a dynamic runner down the stretch, better as a passer, still more room to improve, and then it felt like they regressed. Fields regressed the first three weeks until he ran into the Broncos defense that was you know, <laughs> horrendous the first six, seven weeks of the season. Um, so yeah, fields it is at the point where you know Bears fans are talking about keeping Fields and and going through all those scenarios if you keep him and you trade down again and you get this haul and you pair him with Marvin Harrison Jr. and another receiver or whatever it might be, um, that people are intrigued.
1: And he's got one more game to just make it even more, you know, awkward for everybody. Like if he has another good performance, it's just one more game where it's like, man, Fields might
0: be the guy. So Brad Spielberg, who's on this show at least once a week here, um, you know, Bears guy, pretty good job having a pulse of, of Bears nation, so to speak. And, you know, he, he was tweeting yesterday about how he's impressed by Fields' improvement. There, there is probably this in-house decision where it's like, man, what, what do we do with this late-season surge? Where people, like, the, the locker room loves Fields. They love what he's doing. What do we do with that when we know we've got this opportunity, depending, I'm not going to use the word generational, but not every year do you have two guys going into the season, you think are locked in as one and two overall at QB, who, who are probably going to end up there, and they look like really good NFL prospects, and Caleb Williams and Drake May. And, oh, by the way, Michael Penix is balling out, and he's 24, but, man, he if he goes and beats Michigan next Monday night, they're going to be talking about Penix going in the top 10. There's going to be talk about Bo Nix going in the top 15. There's a lot of QBs to choose from here. Well,
1: also, the one thing you probably do know about Justin Fields at this point is – even if he's not the guy like let's say you decide to keep him around he's earned one more year right before we have to pay him big money we'll figure it out We'll we're going to go with him this year and then if it all goes to hell we can still move in a different direction the one thing you probably do know about him is that he's good enough that you're not going to be picking number one overall again right? that and you wouldn't be this year if it was just it's down to Justin point. Fields so it is that this conversation is difficult because it's like a three-pronged thing you have to ask number one is Justin Fields better in isolation than Caleb Williams or Drake May? Number two, is he going to be worth getting paid forty-five million dollars a year, which is what you're going to be staring down the barrel of if you think he is the guy? And then number three, if you, you know, if you give it, if you give him a shot instead of so hedge, try and play the middle game and just keep him short-term, you're not going to have this shot again. You're going to need another backup plan for quarterback because you're not going to have the number one overall pick again. Now, if that, if that hedge involves trading down from number one and getting a giant draft haul, and maybe you have the capital next year to get up there again, but it's not as simple as it is this year where you have the choice now.
0: And so the, the, the point I, wa- I wanted to add on what, where the conflict might be in the building in Chicago, it, it's feeling good down the stretch. Fields just had that nice game. It's the snow and it, vibes are high, right? Feeling good in Chicago. What if he goes into Lambeau, right? The place where Aaron Rodgers, you know, he owned you, and then he passed off ownership to Jordan Love. And the, like, Where does the narrative aspect come in? This feels like a big, fun game for the Bears. Not only can they knock the Packers out of the playoff mm-hmm. picture, um, as the Lions did last year in Lambeau, the Bears can do that. And what did the Lions do off the back of that? Well, they carried that momentum into next year, got better, and now look at them winning the division. So the Bears feel I they have a lot to play for here. Um, and we don't have to talk about them worried about draft position because they're locked in at one. And yeah. who cares if they're picking ten versus twelve versus fourteen? Hey, you got one. You know, it might not matter as much what that second pick is. So it's it's an interesting spot for the Bears, and especially if Fields and the Bears go into Lambeau, win the game from a decision perspective. For Green Bay, win and you're in. And you know, again, the big question for me is the defense. Can they, can they do just enough? Because I am so impressed with Jordan Love. I'm so impressed with their offense and what Matt LaFleur has done, the way Love has turned his season around and developed, and just the confidence that he's playing with, man. It it really felt like a, a switch flipped from a confidence perspective. And that's why Chris was highlighting all the off, you know, the jump throws and the off-balance throws. Like Love is feeling it and he's trusting his arm and he's putting the ball in spots that he wasn't even close to hitting earlier in the season.
1: Yeah, Love Love has been fantastic. Um th- the defense though, it's I don't think it's a question anymore about can they do just enough. I mean, we sh- we saw last week what that defense is capable of if the, if they call a correct game. Like if they get more aggressive, if they blitz a little bit more, if they send uh, slot corners at the quarterback instead of just sitting back in soft zones or off-man coverage. I mean, that's the thing. We just saw, okay, it was against a rookie, but Nick Mullins came in and was still equally as lost. Like, he he moved the ball a bit, but he was still under pressure all the time. The defense still did a really good job. So, I think the bar has been raised. Like, people have been complaining about that defense all season long, not because it stinks, but because it should be better than it's been. And we saw earlier in the year it was better, and then in that game it was better. They are capable of much more than they have shown for a lot of the season. So I think that is the standard. Can they repeat what they did against Minnesota against a much more difficult uh, opponent to prepare for because of Justin Fields? And then, yeah, I think it's two teams potentially riding this wave of uh, a surge of improvement. The the Bears and Justin Fields and that defense, you know, Tyreek Stevenson has had one of the best grades of any corner in the last few weeks. They've, they've got some really good Uh, Performances on the defensive side. And then for Green Bay, Jordan Love has been amazing recently, but also all of those young receivers are playing well. Like, and they've been without some of the. Like, if you were looking on paper, you would say arguably their top two targets are Christian Watson and Luke Musgrave, and neither one of them has been playing in the last couple of weeks. Instead, it's been Tucker Craft. Bo Melton was the first 100 yard receiver they had. But all of these guys are playing well and improving. So if they're able to actually make it, and hit the playoffs with Jordan Love playing as well as he is right now, if he catches a good run, and all of these young receivers that are like pieces for the future, all developing and getting better, I mean, it could be a huge uh, moment for that Green Bay team.
0: All I know is this offseason, we are going to be hyping up the NFC North because I love the way the Packers are trending, Bears are trending in a good direction. We know what the Lions have become. And the Vikings are still a solid team that have you know, dealt with four different quarterbacks this year, lost their starter. So the NFC North looks like they're trending up. We got the Packers favored by three playoff lives on the line for the second straight year. Where are you going with this one?
1: Going with the bears. I think they are a different proposition now than they were earlier in the year.
0: Wow. Going with, I'm, oh, I'm also taking the bears. I'm also taking the bears. Mm-hmm. I think the Packers win by two though. Yeah. The Packers get into the playoffs game winning field goal. To win it, but not cover the spread. I can see it. How's that? Yep. Bears by two. I'm uh, sorry. Packers by two in this game. All right. Let's go through the the one o'clocks here. We'll go Tampa Bay Bucks at the Carolina Panthers. Bucks favored by four and a half. Uh, the Bucks, you know, going into last week, if they had beaten the Saints, they would have won the NFC South. But their in their playoff odds were extremely high, despite playing a tough game against the Saints, because of this game, because the Bucks could still win this game. So win and they and they win the NFC South. If they lose though, and the Saints win, Saints get in as NFC South champions. Bucks favored by four and a half here at Carolina.
1: Yeah, the Bucks essentially had two shots at a win in,
0: in, in game, and this is the second. Well open. said. Well said. Yeah. And it's against Carolina.
1: Pretty um, concise. Now the only downside is Baker Mayfield is banged up. He's not practicing right now. I think they. I think he'll play.
0: He got hurt right at the end of the game yeah. against the Saints. And um, what is it exactly? It looked like his left shoulder and it looked like the the shoulder that he hurt Uh a couple weeks ago, a couple years ago. Um, this, the, the Bucks offense though. So they have been, they've been cooking, right? So, but here's in before last week, they had a stretch of scoring 29 points against the Falcons, 34 against the Packers, 30 against the Jags. The last time they were held in check a little bit was against the Panthers. It was 21 to 18 in Tampa Bay. And, um, the, the Panthers played them tough in Tampa. There was some rain. You know, there was a there was a rain interception from Baker. I think it slipped completely out of his hand. Um, but it was 21-18, just in early December, where the Panthers did hang tough. And it was right around the point, I thought, you know, that you were expecting maybe the Panthers are going to turn things around a little bit, show some life from Bryce Young. They still haven't, even though Bryce Young had back-to-back really good games, the whole offense regressed again last week against Jacksonville. So can Carolina make things interesting here in the NFC South and at least give Tampa Bay a game who had been trending awesome for a few weeks until they ran into the saints that first three quarters last week.
1: So it's officially a rib injury for Baker Mayfield. Um, either way it's one that it's not going to keep him out of the game, I think. And it would probably need to for Carolina to have much of a shot in this game. Um, I mean, look, Carolina showed like one or two times this season. They've shown signs of life against anybody. Um, it, I don't see much of a reason why it would happen this week against Tampa Bay. The Bucks are a flawed team, but they've been pretty good on either side of the ball. I just don't – you know, Bryce Young is going to get overwhelmed again, and they're not going to get much going.
0: The Bucs have been dealing with a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. They should get Shaq Barrett back. It uh, looks like you know, they've been dealing with a revolving door cornerback. I think they should be healthy with Carlton Davis and Jamel Dean out there. Um, so so Tampa maybe. Getting healthy at the other spots besides Baker Mayfield. They do have a better overall team. The defense is solid. Um, I think it's going to be a challenge for for Tampa Bay. moving the. I mean, for uh, for Carolina moving the ball on this one again. 39 degrees with broken clouds here. Broken clouds, huh? This week. I'm, I'm trying to see if there's any rain games. There's rumors of snow in the Northeast. We might get some snow games. Might get snow here. It's supposed to be snow everywhere this weekend. Oh, really? Yeah. Snow here, huh? Uh-huh. You okay with – oh, you don't have your car anyway, so it's good.
1: Yeah, not until later. Look, sometimes your mechanic tries to kill you. It happens.
0: Um, last uh, last thing here. Mike Evans has been having just an outstanding season for the Bucs, and I, I think storyline for me this year was it was Mike Evans not – like an okay performance from Chris Godwin, but it was, you know, the third, fourth, and fifth options for Tampa in the past game had been non-existent, but now – Mike Evans is still awesome, and they're spreading the ball around. God you,
1: don't, no uh, you don't watch the shows that you don't appear on because um, you, know, you don't support your own podcast. But I'm usually in meetings. Whatever.
0: Like yesterday, I had to miss the show because I was in a very whatever. intense meeting.
1: Anyway, yesterday we had a conversation with Trev, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Um, had questions that had come in either end of the spectrum. So you have to choose. You who is so keen on the fence. Cannot straddle the fence on this one. Is Mike Evans either... A Hall of Famer, or wide receiver Frank Gore. Hall of Famer. Ooh. I, I said, what if Frank? What if uh, Mike Evans is in fact wide receiver
0: Curtis Martin? Yeah, that's a better one, I mm. think. Because yeah, because Gore had a whole bunch of average seasons at the end. I think Mike Evans has always been an above-average, very good receiver. But I think. You know, what, what would be like the highest yearly <laughs> ranking you would put Mike Evans in? Well, this is the thing. So, the highest yearly ranking is probably seventh or eighth, you this would say? Year,
1: this year is probably, and not for sure, going to be the first season in which he leads the NFL in any statistical category. He has 13 touchdowns right now, which he is didn't one have, more.
0: He didn't win in, in touchdowns two years ago? Nope. In 21?
1: Never. Never done it. Never done it in touchdowns, catches, or yards.
0: 13 touchdown catches, number one, which
1: ironically is less than he's had in previous years, but this year is
0: leading the league. What did he have in twenty one for passes? Oh, was a Cooper Cup that year? Two thousand twenty one touchdown passes. Yeah, Don't Cup had sixteen. Evans had fourteen.
1: Yeah. Never led, never led the league.
0: Yeah, anyway, Evans is- so there. You go, Hall of Famer. Yeah, Hall of Famer. Two people. Good answer. He's been very, very good. Very good. Very consistent. That's been his thing. Over fifteen yards per catch in his career too. Yeah, it's impressive. Anyway. Let's make some picks. Tampa Bay. Bucks by four and a half. Yeah, I'll also take the Bucks Going to the playoffs and um, perhaps playing. Playoff I mean, Baker again. Next week, which I might have to miss the preview show, but next week we'll be talking about the Bucks maybe taking on the Eagles and how the Eagles defense has been a train wreck right now, and Tampa Bay can pull that upset at home as NFC South champions. All right, we've got other games to talk about here. Cleveland Browns at the Cincinnati Bengals. Jeff Driscoll's getting the start here Let's for the Browns. Go. I got no more use for this game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, poor
1: Jeff Driscoll.
0: Some games we're not going to talk about, right? Bengals favored by seven. What Brown, a Browns are locked into the five seed. Yeah. Bengals are out of the playoffs. They are. Your pick? That's it?
1: That's, that's your analysis of this game?
0: Well, I'm going to go search for our prize picks lineup so I can talk about that in a second here, but I got nothing else. You got nothing. That's week 18. What are we gonna do? What are we gonna do? Yeah, I mean, look, the fifth starting quarterback for the Browns
1: this year. Yeah, Joe Flacco gets uh gets a week off. Rest the old geriatric body. Make sure he's in tip-top condition for the playoff run, the Super Bowl run. Yeah, gonna yeah. need that. Gonna do it again. This time he needs, you know, he needs a break before that happens. Good for him. Good for Joe. You know, he rested the body. He'd had a year on the couch or whatever ish, more or less. Uh Comes back in, gets the Browns to the playoffs, gets them in contention, and then you know he's going to need a break before he's the Super Bowl his rest. run.
0: Yeah. He's earned his right. doesn't need the reps. No, God, no. Good for Joe. Bengals by seven. Bengals Browns seven. presumably uh, resting other people. Yeah. Um, so what what does Cleveland have ahead of them as the as the five seed? They're going to be playing the AFC South champion. It'll most likely be the Jaguars. In Jacksonville, of course. Or it also could be the Texans or the Colts. They've beaten all of them? They may have beaten all those teams already this year.
1: That's <laughs> I amazing. mean, the Browns are a fascinating team. I know I said that earlier earlier that Buffalo was the second favorite for the AFC, but I don't nobody wants to play the Browns. Yeah, they beat all three of those teams. Yeah. Nobody wants to play this Cleveland team. They have the best defense in the NFL. They have all season long. Miles Garrett is a defensive player of the year level individual and he's not the only guy up front anymore and Joe Flacco is capable of having an amazing game and that alone makes them terrifying because you can't if he has one of those games given the defense that he's paired with they're almost impossible to beat if he doesn't have one of those games they're still difficult to beat because the defense is so good
0: yeah if the, if the Browns win <clears throat> if they do win in round one that they would most likely play Baltimore coming off their bye, unless there is a an upset with one of the six or seven seeds. All of that stuff's possible. But uh, that's pretty much all to talk about here. Eli, you got anything on the Bengals here? Mm. We got a who day mm-hmm. from Eli. Um, perhaps rooting for the loss for a little bit better draft position. You know, Can you get Malik Neighbors in there? Can you get Roma Dunes? Can you get close enough to get one of those top receivers?
1: I mean, the Bengals, they're going to be a fascinating off-season
0: team. They have a lot of
1: big decisions looming.
0: All right, who are you picking in this one? Hmm, seven. This is like picking week four preseason games.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Because it's not, I mean, you think Jake Browning, seven points, Brown's defense. It's not going to be the Brown's defense. It's going to be the Brown's backup defense. And that's probably not as good as the starting defense. (laughs) It's it's probably not an all-time historical run. Throw them out. I'm going to go with Cleveland keeping it within seven.
0: I'll take Cincinnati. Do we have snow? What do we have? What's the weather on this thing? affect things could affect it where's green line here we go what's our what's our weather overcast
1: clouds that's all it's got
0: i feel like green line only reports cloud levels that's all we get
1: we don't get precipitation just just cloud cover
0: apparently i don't see any game with precipitation over Mm. on green line
1: maybe it's sunday that it's hitting no saturday maybe it's the, the the other day of the weekend it
0: could be all right, let's tell you about our prize picks lineup for this week. Speaking of Eli, I think he put this one together again. So, the key here with your prize picks lineup, you know, guys that are playing for something. So, we got Jonathan Taylor, Saturday night, going more than 80 and a half rushing yards. We have Cowboys receiver CD Lamb going more than 99 and a half receiving yards. Uh, Taylor is rush yards. I don't know if I said that wrong, but 80 and a half rush yards for Jonathan Taylor, more. CD Lamb, more than 99 and a half receiving yards. Josh Allen, more than 285 and a half. Pass plus rush yards. We're combining those on Sunday night football against the Miami Dolphins. That's our prize picks lineup for this week. And you guys can all do the same over at Prize Picks. I didn't get the read yet. Um, it's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers, just like we just showed here. You pick more, you pick less. It's that easy. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or you pick less on two to, five, two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. If you wanna play alongside some of PrizePix's favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can do that. You just find the community plays under the promos tab of the app to do <coughs> entries from some of the biggest names in the PrizePix community every week. PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. So for football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted, PrizePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. So what you're going to do is go to prizepix.com slash PFFNFL. Use the code PFFNFL and you get a first deposit match up to $100. Again, prizepix.com slash PFFNFL. Use the code PFFNFL. First deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy over at PrizePix. Minnesota Vikings at the Detroit Lions. Lions favored by three and a half here nick mullen's back for the vikings getting the start (laughs) are the lions still technically in play for number two are they locked into three here seating wise
1: i think either way detroit is motivated in this game given what happened last week and i actually think i think that actually gives the lions a rare opportunity to create that galvanized siege mentality thing that they can actually that actually has an impact going into the postseason i mean detroit may have been motivated anyway but this is a different type of motive motivation the nfl not only do they screw them out of that dallas game now look they also screwed dallas like a drive before so that part is kind of irrelevant but from Depo- from D- detroit's perspective they got screwed out of that game which screwed them out of playoff seating and everything that's happened subsequently the nfl has basically just put, you know, flipped the flip the bird to detroit and said you're liars, there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> we're not going to we're not going to fix it. In fact, we're going to make it seem like it was your fault. We're going to blame you for it all and we're going to make like tv shows out of it. There's a mic'd up segment that shows all this this thing. We're going to essentially mock you about the whole thing. If i was part of the lions setup, i would be furious about how everything is played out about that game. And I think they can actually channel that into some kind of postseason, you know, motivation. And legitimately, it sounds ridiculous, but those, those siege mentality things, if you're able to actually create them, they work. Like, there is a reason that NFL coaches or coaches everywhere, forget NFL, all sports, keep trying to tap into that stuff. Because players are slightly unhinged. And if you're able to convince them that the world is out to screw them, it makes them play harder. So, I think that whole week, that whole disaster with the officiating is actually going to get a pissed off Detroit, Detroit Lions team, not just playing hard in this game, but playing hard in this game on their way into the playoffs.
0: I don't understand how bulletin board material type stuff actually does work, but I do know they're all looking for it. Yep. They're all looking for and it. And maybe
1: it only works beyond a certain level. Like, you know, some guy says something about your team, Yeah, that's kind of, that's pretty hard to register these days. But... The, the NFL officials actively screwing you out of a game and then effectively blaming you for it, which is what's happened here,
0: I, I think that's pretty easy to rally behind. Yeah. I mean, it was like the 05 Worcester Tornadoes. Of course. We were, uh, I mentioned, playing the Quebec Capitales. You did. We played them in the finals. They kept trading for the best players around the league. Yeah. We kept the same squad together. And that really motivated We you? rallied around our team. We made four transactions all year. That was it, and they were all deserved. So
1: it was you against the, the big spenders. It was
0: us against the big spenders. We rallied.
1: Just an underdog story.
0: As a squad. Yeah. So I can relate of course, to these NFL underdogs heading into the playoffs. Mm. I think the Lions should start the game with like a nine offensive lineman formation. With I think four eligibles. Should, every,
1: single, every single play they should send three tackles. They should do exactly the same thing as they did in this game every play yeah. and effectively quiz the ref about which one – reported as eligible
0: that'd be great really that'd be a great response mm-hmm. i wonder if they would do that troll them actively uh, dan campbell was on detroit radio this week he's great he is he is as um i feel like we anticipated a bit of crazy and intense mm. with him initially but in the wrong ways right we thought it would be like he's he's gonna like right like classic meathead idiot. right we thought he was gonna like run the ball you know, three I mean, straight what, times. A once game he
1: gave the kneecap biting speech, that's yeah. like what everybody defaulted yeah. to, right? He's, Classic he's he's dinosaurs. Yeah. Play
0: defense. But it's not. It's like I'm you know, the the radio host was like, I you know, uh, it was probably a it was like a low percentage decision to go for two from the seven. He goes, tell me what you really believe. He's like, I think it was a stupid decision. You know, he's like but he's like asking for these for these answers. He's aggressive. And I wonder if he's gonna handle this one aggressively. Um, the other aspect of this, again, there's the, the storylines this week, I think, are which teams are resting, which teams are playing, and it, it is a fascinating decision every week, keeping guys sharp, getting reps, versus being healthy. And again, we'll talk about the Rams later, but the Rams could go from between the sixth and the seventh seed. They could dictate right. if they go to Detroit. Like they, Right now they're locked in to go to Detroit, but they could have to go to Dallas where they got waxed, the Rams. And they're deciding health is the most important thing. The Lions last year in week 18 had nothing to play for because Seattle lost, won in their game. Detroit knew they had nothing to play for except play spoiler against the Packers and they played it like it was a playoff game. Now the Lions know they have nothing to play for as far as seeding goes. And is that just the Dan Campbell mentality? We're going to play and play like it's a real game.
1: Well, I also think a lot of times... You know one of the reasons you might play starters is if you are riding like you don't want to lose the momentum whatever that's worth or if it even exists right during the course of the season so if you're a team that's hot right now heading into the playoffs but with this one week to go before you make it i think there are some coaches there that don't want to risk losing that by resting everybody and maybe screwing up a game or simply just having a week off for those starters and those guys going off the boil again, because of what we just talked about, like the Lions are now in this zone where they are pissed off and they want to do something about it. The the first thing up to do about it is this game. So I don't think that they will risk losing that, like not capitalizing on that potential boost of the Siege mentality and the the league against us and all that kind of stuff by throwing out backups, you know, losing a game or just simply not capturing that intensity. I think they want to make a point. They want to win this game easily – rest everybody in the fourth quarter or whatever, and then do it again next week.
0: Lions favored by three and a half here. Vikings are putting Nick Mullins back in, Mm. who again, you know, what we've seen from him is the ability to move the ball, get the ball to their good group of playmakers, and then turn it over by. (laughs) Which is the best Vikings quarterback play we've seen over the last four or five weeks.
1: Yeah, it is. And that's the bottom line, I guess. It, It might be my favorite description that Chris has ever had of anybody during that broadcast where he was talking about Nick Mullins and he's like, you know, I love watching Nick Mullins play. He'll move the ball, blah, blah. He's crazy, but but he'll, he'll at least put some <laughs> yards up. You're like, that's perfect. That's exactly what he is. He is nuts. <laughs> like he will put passes in the air that are ridiculous, uh, but he will move the ball between doing that, which you can't say about Jaron Hall and you can't say about Josh Dobbs necessarily. So, you know, to me the decision would be between Dobbs or Mullins and I guess... If you're Kevin O'Connell, you think there's a higher chance that the guy that moves the ball can maybe not turn it over a bunch of times than there is of the guy who won't turn over that much
0: moving the ball when he's struggling. The uh, the, the interesting thing when, when I'm watching quarterbacks without what I would say is below average NFL arm strength. Average is this relative term. I've said this before, like in baseball, they said you're, you know, in the scouting scale, your average fastball back when I was playing was like 90, 91 miles an hour, hmm. but like, of pitchers threw above that. So it's like average doesn't mean the average of every pitcher. It's just like this is what we consider average at the major league level, right? Like serviceable average, I guess. I feel like NFL arm strength is like that. You know, 28 out of 32 starting quarterbacks at any given time are above average NFL arm strength. But every now and again, you have a below average arm. Like that's Mullins, right? Below average arm it's what Kellen Moore had. And you have to
1: well, Mullins kind of feels like what would happen if Brett Favre had no arm, you know, like Brett Favre, you have who's, to, who's like, defining Browning, Jake
0: Browning has a below average arm. But when you have to play with above average, yeah, anticipation but he's like, and accuracy. he's
1: like a classic gunslinger, except he doesn't have the gun to sling. He's, yeah. just, he's just throwing the ball into ridiculous windows that can't possibly be complete because you don't have the arm to get it there.
0: And maybe average is the wrong word, but let's say, like, NFL baseline arm. Most NFL quarterbacks have the NFL baseline arm, whatever that is. And every now and again, you have a guys that are below that, and they're fascinating to watch because Mullins was throwing passes. Like, how did it get there a couple times? And then other times, well, it doesn't get there, you know? So it's like uh, that's what makes it look crazy when it's Nick Mullins. He sees the same window as everyone else but doesn't have the juice to get it there. Yeah. You know? um, so where are you going? Detroit favored by three and a half.
1: Oh, Lions all day, baby. Yeah, I'll take the Lions I'm not. Well. I'm writing I'm that mystique. Van Campbell see. siege mentality.
0: Number three seed is locked in. I forgot to do a game of the week, which the, the game of the week is obviously Bill's Dolphins on Sunday Night Football. Yeah. Do you want to do that in the middle of the show here, or do you want to just save well, it for the we'll end? Save it for the end. We're we'll save it for going the that we'll build, way anyway. We'll build up to the game of the week.
1: Yeah, that way everyone will stay around longer. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. good. Right. Yeah, that's good. YouTube likes that, I think.
0: People stick around. Yeah. you got to stick around for Bill's Dolphins. There's lots of things you're supposed to do. We'll get to, to it in another hour. Yeah, there's lots Probably. of
1: things you're supposed to be doing to like maximize you know, the YouTube algorithm and stuff. I don't, oh, think, do we need I don't more, think we do any of
0: it. We need more professional teases.
1: Yeah, well, that, I think... You know, Coming the, up
0: soon, that Cowboys bell, Commanders, Bill's Dolphins. Yeah,
1: that bell button is supposed to be very important. I don't think we've asked people to click that like twice ever.
0: Oh, yeah, all the best YouTubers tell people to click the bell. Right. That will remind you when we're live and yeah, everything. Yeah. yeah, click the bell. Click the bell! While you're here, just do the bell. Uh, New York Jets at the New England Patriots. Pa- Patriots favored by one and a half. This game is supposed to have snow. Yeah. We do have snow. In Green Line. In Green Line. In Foxborough. Potentially the last game for Bill Belichick as head coach of the New England Patriots. Mm. I mean, that's the story here. We're probably not going to get into the X's and O's here. Of this we game.
1: did our whole thing on cloud cover and the 1-8th the versus 8-8th eight-eighth, thing. Yeah. Uh, snow is just a blanket description we don't have a volume of snow like are we a dusting Flake, or are we a, are gonna fall yeah. are we a dusting or are we a blizzard here
0: i i don't know right i i, don't th- I feel it. like
1: that's an important variable
0: i know we don't our because uh, it was
1: snowing in chicago last week and that didn't do anything that's flurries if flurries. Flurries okay. on,
0: it flurries, non-stick. Non-stick. Non-sticky snow. <laughs>
1: non-stick. So it's Chicago snow, like last week. Yeah. yeah in which case, that's kind of a Cincinnati's
0: a lot of non-stick snow. It doesn't stick Yeah, either. we don't get a lot of snow. Now, New England, it'll stick normally. Yeah. Let's see what we get. Uh, late night snow tomorrow night. Coming here. See, I told way, you it's earlier than on the On weather.com. Um, so Belichick, this could be the end yep. for him. Um, our old friend, Doug Kide, now works for the Boston Herald. He had an article. Cousin with, uh, Doug. Cousin Doug, my cousin. Yep, that's my my wife's stepmom's cousin's daughter's husband, uh-huh. and he wrote an article, uh, co-wrote an article today. Kind of, he had multiple sources within New England talking about the the dysfunction this season, about how Bill O'Brien only got to hire one of his coaches and maybe didn't have the full control, and just a lot of stuff going on. Adrian Clem, offensive line coach, maybe not a good fit, probably not coming back. How it all fell apart. Yeah, and there was some finger pointing
1: gotta, in the office. Got to
0: have it. There is. Um, because we're PFF and work with every single NFL team, we do kind of get some of that inside information. Some of the stuff that happens in NFL front offices is the personnel people and the coaching staff point fingers. Mm -hmm. The personnel staff says, I got you good players. The coaching staff says, no, you got us bad players. And they they get mad at each other. Um, In New England, even though Bill Belichick is the de facto GM, is it Mike Groh, I believe, is making a lot of the personnel decisions as well. And apparently, according to cousin Doug's story, there was some finger pointing, uh, particularly on the offensive line, where they brought in guys like Riley Reef and Calvin Anderson and Connor McDermott to solve a tackle issue that never got solved. So um, all that to be said, this could be the end for Belichick in New England, a long legendary run, and uh, a snow game I think would be a fitting way to go out.
1: Snow game. I don't want to see Trevor Simeon play in the snow.
0: I well, don't Bailey want to, see. Zappy, to be honest. Oh,
1: or that. I, yeah, I don't want to see either of these quarterbacks play in a heavy snow game. I just don't. And I love snow games. I think snow games are fantastic, but I don't want to see either of these quarterbacks play in the snow. I think that would go even worse than their usual game goes, which is not good. Zach Wilson still dealing with a concussion. His season is pretty much over. His time with the Jets is pretty much over, you would assume. It's Trevor Simeon time. It's two good defenses against two pretty terrible offenses
0: the end we'll talk about the legacy stuff we'll talk about the decisions later because mm. Monday morning is always rough like you got to talk about the playoffs like Monday <clears throat> yeah Black Monday up to eight coaches but I don't know that Bel- like Belichick and Kraft are probably going to take some time yeah to talk well again stuff.
1: because he's under contract and they can probably trade him even if they are like they're not firing Bill Belichick on Monday regardless of how this game goes
0: I agree. Um, and Bill Belichick, of course, because his future is in doubt, doesn't care probably about the Patriots picking number two versus number four. Right. But they are in this world where the Patriots, Commanders, and Cardinals, depending on four or five different games this week, all could have the number two pick, whether they win or lose and whether other teams win or lose. Patriots having to debate between potentially having a shot at Caleb Williams or Drake May or beating the Jets. You know, that's not always a fun decision if you're new england because they've beaten the jets 15 straight times mm-hmm. we got a full circle moment here for belichick
1: and it's the 1 p.m so they're not going to have the benefit of knowing you know what what, what happened in the other yeah. games whether they've already seen you know they they have to do this blind effectively
0: so that's it for this game mm. it's more of a storyline is this the last time you see belichick of course the jets disappointing season and they got to regroup around Aaron Rodgers this offseason. Patriots favored by one and a half here in a potential snow storm. Uh, Patriots for no good reason. I will also take the Patriots because they've beaten the Jets a lot
1: recently. That's one good reason, I
0: suppose. Atlanta Falcons at the New Orleans Saints. Saints favored by three. Of course, uh, so this is all happening in the one o'clock hour. So the NFL does this for competitive purposes more than entertainment purposes. They stack all the games. I think that was my take last year, right? It's only for competitive, not for entertainment. They want to make sure that the teams are, you know, unaware of the games that depend, that, that, that they're depending on. <laughs> at least
1: right? until there's a, you know, a TV contractual obligation involved, and then you can have one game at the end where everybody knows. Already. I mean, Bill's
0: Dolphins is perfect. You know that they're playing for something. It's the best game of the week already. Throw it on Sunday night. Hmm. Saints favored by three here, but they need the Bucks to lose against the Panthers at the same time right now.
1: Yeah. Um, Arthur Smith probably still coaching for his job. There have been reports recently that they're going to keep him around and going to stick with him, much to the dismay of fantasy owners everywhere. Um, but a good performance for in this game, of all games, I think would go a pretty long way to trying to secure him that job going forward. I mean, you can still make a fairly compelling case that everything is actually okay there, but the quarterback, and if he had a like, if he had a half de- decent quarterback, what would this offense look like? Sure, it would still be frustrating people because it almost certainly wouldn't be exclusively running through Kyle Pitts and Bijan Robinson the way everybody wants it to, but it would be pretty good. Like if they just had any sort of viable quarterback play instead of Desmond Ritter or Taylor Heineke. So, if you're Arthur Blank, I think you can talk yourself into that fairly convincingly, if you know anything other than a
0: complete beatdown in this game. Happens. I kind of agree with that. I mean, I think it happens more at the college level that really frustrates me. College fans are so impatient. You know, a guy has one or two bad seasons, and they're like, get rid of him. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is about to play for the national title, and Michigan fans are ready to move on from him. There is something, to sticking it out. I don't think NFL fans are as impatient when it comes to that because, there's, because the coach doesn't have personnel control, so you can actually make this argument, right? Right. Like, if Arthur Smith, in college, you're the recruiter, you're the Yeah, you're if you the don't GM, have a
1: quarterback, it's your fault.
0: It's your fault, right? So you can actually make this <laughs> argument. And, and again, we, we poke fun and make you know joke about Arthur Smith and some of his comments and who he targets in the red zone and all that. I mean,
1: I think there's valid criticism
0: there. <clears throat> like, there is. But I you think could he's... also paint a picture that he's done pretty well with yeah. what he's been given.
1: Like, I, I think he is – I think he does try and – outsmart everybody too much like he overthinks it and tries to run the offense through guys that it shouldn't be running through but having said that even with that as a as a flaw it's still been reasonably successful without a viable quarterback so there's only so much you should be looking to boot him out the door like will it eventually be will it be a thing that keeps him out of a super bowl even if he gets a quarterback maybe but i don't think you can definitively say that now because the
0: level of the quarterback play has been so bad uh, from a Saints perspective, huge win last week against Tampa Bay. And for the 900th time this year, I'm going to say, how do you bottle up how they played? Uh, they weren't great in the fourth quarter, almost blew it. But how do you bottle up if you're the Saints? How do you bottle that up and play another playoff caliber game, which is what they did against the Bucks with their season on the line. They mm-hmm. went out and played high-level defense, physical, tough, like we have seen off and on through the last five or six years in New Orleans. And how do you do that again in Atlanta? Season's on the line here. Tampa Bay – I'm sorry, New Orleans needs a win plus a Tampa Bay loss to win the South. They could also get into the playoffs, though, if they win and Seattle loses to Arizona. But you certainly don't want to have to rely on that. Either way, you've got to take care of business, first and foremost. I still think the Saints, sitting on all that potential all year, Carr is a fine <coughs> enough quarterback. They've, they've added Taysom Hill into the equation – I mean, it should be a difficult offense to defend with their pass catchers, with Taysom Hill, with Jawan Johnson working in the middle of the field like he did last week. Um, and then if they could play good, tough defense, take care of business here, there's a chance the Saints are hosting a playoff game <laughs> next week, uh, most likely against the Eagles. In if effectively, solve, if everything falls into
1: place. Yeah, in effectively exactly the way that was designed all the way along. You know, <laughs> this season you bring in Derek Carr; he's just good enough to make you to the playoffs by winning a bad division and that's probably all you can expect. Uh, they're on the outside looking in right now, but it's definitely possible that they could be on the inside. And actually, in the second half of the season, Derek Carr has been an awful lot better, even battling through all these injuries. And It's actually, you know, Derek Carr takes a lot of crap because he is a quarterback with a fairly defined ceiling, I think. Um, but when you, there's a lot to praise him for. Like, he has battled through two or three injuries this year that I think should have shut him down for periods of time and didn't. Um, You know, you had that, the absolute disaster with the Raiders when John Gruden and and Henry Ruggs and all those kinds of things. Like his leadership performance during that time was pretty impressive as well. So there's a lot of of reasons Derek Carr should get praise and probably doesn't because he's, he's always a quarterback you're looking to move on from. But four out of the last five weeks, he's had PFF grades firmly in the dark green. You know, not just above average, but good. Uh, only has two turnover-worthy plays in that period of time. You know, Derek Carr has been playing the kind of football in the second half of the season that should get them to the playoffs. It's just he might have already dug a, too deep a hole for that to happen.
0: And, and you know where it's landed. Like the, I think the grading tells a good story. I use the mid-tier quarterback, not mid, mid-tier quarterbacks. They have their highs, they have their lows, and, and it often it evens out at the end of the season. Last year, Carr had the lowest grade of his career since his rookie season. And then early in this year, he looked like he was on pace for another grade yeah. in the 60s. But he's had, he's right now at 76.5. He's had other career uh, season grades, 77, 79, 73, a 76. He's had those at various points in his career. That's usually where he lands in the high 70s, right? We're mid to high 70s, maybe a low 80s grade. That is the expectation. And yeah. again, in New Orleans with this team, it should be good enough should have been good enough this year, even though the ebbs and flows were were not great. I haven't
1: run the numbers, but just eyeballing it, he's looking like he's gonna end up with a grade that pretty much sits right bang average in his Las Vegas annual grading. Like he's, that ranged from- you can get an
0: 84, like you did in 2020. You can get an 86, like you get in in 85 in 2016. That ranged from
1: like 66 to 85, but I think it probably shakes out to like a high 70s overall on average. And that's where he's ending up now.
0: All right, man, all that said, Saints playing for their playoff lives, favored by three against the Falcons.
1: Yeah, and I th- but I, th- I do think it matters to both teams. So I don't think this is one where just because the Saints need it, they're going to have the success. I think Atlanta wants this game as well. Um, hmm. I will go with the Saints, but I don't love it.
0: <laughs> I don't love any Saints pick. Well, that do. Um, I'm going to pick Atlanta only because of that. Arthur Smith, Stan. I see. Arthur Smith, stand. No, I'm going to pick Atlanta because every time New Orleans convinces me that they've turned it around,
1: you're anticipating being let down.
0: I'm anticipating disappointment. Yeah. So I would normally pick New Orleans here. I would I would let the last thing I saw influence me mm-hmm. with the Saints. Now you've learned, and I refuse to do that. Week 18. <laughs> <laughs> Got to tell you about our friends over at AG One, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. We drink it every single day here on the PFF NFL Podcast. Love AG One because it gives me all of the nutrients that my body needs to kick off the day. I like to drink it with my coffee in the morning. You just mix it with water, drink it down. Great way to kick things off, cover all of the nutritional bases to kick off your day. Uh, AG1, they've they've been with us for a while here. We've heard a lot of good feedback from uh, from our listeners, from our viewers that they're getting on board as well, making it a part of their daily routine. So a lot of great athletes, they have one thing in common, they take care of their bodies huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health and a lot of them also drink ag1 kind of wish i had it when i was a player sam get all those nutrients well, I mean, I that would have been the difference that would have been the difference i would have been in the big leagues mm-hmm. if i had ag1 in the 75 high quality ingredients that give me the key daily nutrients to support energy focus strength and clarity maybe, maybe would have added two to three miles an hour to my fastball i can't see how it wouldn't results non not typical but it could have <laughs> been a possibility or in fact guaranteed it's that micro habit that delivers macro benefits that helps just about everybody take great, great care of their health every single day. Also love that it costs less than $3 a day. Pretty good, if you ask me. It's this really effective daily habit with high-quality sourced ingredients. That's a win-win for all of us here on the PFF NFL Podcast. So for comprehensive solutions, what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. You go to drinkag1.com PFF. That's drinkag1.com PFF. Go check it out right now. Get some AG1. All right, the last 1 o'clock game, Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tennessee Titans. Mentioned a few times on the show here, a must win for Jacksonville. If they win, they're in as the AFC South champions, favored by 5.5 over the Tennessee Titans. It looks like Trevor Lawrence should be back from his plethora of injuries. Plethora, good word. Thank you.
1: Well done. Yeah, uh, Lawrence probably going to be back in this game. Um, I think it makes a big difference for them, but Lawrence hadn't been playing well through the injuries. It's it's one of those one of those interesting situations where you're like at what point is the line between in you know hampered Trevor Lawrence and healthy C J Beathard like where is that um, because Lawrence hadn't been playing well trying to get through those injuries uh, we also do we know if Levis is playing because that
0: may know. be the bigger question to me I feel like Levis uh, elevates the uh, ceiling yes for the Titans. In this potential. In, in this I will game,
1: say, I mean, Tennessee have been the team. It, their their chickens have come home to roost this season. For the second year in a row, they are going to finish at the year, I think, with the 32nd ranked offensive line in the NFL by our numbers, right? So, dead ass last for two seasons straight. You can't have success if that's what's going to happen. Um, I was on Ramon, Kayla, and what's the other guy's name? Will? Will, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was on their show this morning. And they were saying that Tannehill had made a comment after the game last time that he felt like John Wick, you know, where he'd just been just been taking an absolute battering from everywhere. And obviously Ramon, who's a former offensive lineman, was like, That's quite a slight to your offensive line. It is, but it's it's true. Very true. It's, it's hard to argue with the accuracy of the statement. Um, Tannehill's
0: like, I'm not going to be here next year. Yeah, I mean, These guys probably won't be here either because they're terrible, so why not? Right.
1: None of us are going to be here next year. (laughs) I'm probably not starting this week if Levis is back. What the hell? Who cares? Um, But that's been the story of that team. Like, the offensive line has been awful. Tannehill can't function behind it. Levis barely functions behind it, but has enough, A, suicidal tendencies, and, B, just the arm to fire in some passes anyway. The running game, like – both running backs, Derrick Henry and Taji Spears, have both been amazing. If they had any sort of offensive line in front of them, we would be looking at that and saying that's the best backfield in the NFL. Uh, but they don't. Like, those guys are just making it work by themselves. I just, you know, there's the Titans just don't have enough.
0: Pass blocking grade of 36 last week for the Tennessee Titans, by Ugh. the way. Um, yeah, it's been rough. The The entire line, tackles situation, guards, you know, Peter Skaronsky not – I mean, it it all feeds off each other as well. Um,
1: Like, if you have four out of five guys in the offensive line that are pretty bad, the one rookie that you expect to come in and fix it is probably not going to look great.
0: And then Jacksonville last week um, did a pretty good job taking advantage of the Panthers' offensive line. And that's where the, the Jags pass rush really only shows up, they don't, they have those games every now and again where it feels like they've got a great pass rush or they'll get a bunch of sacks, and it usually comes against bad offensive lines. So they do have an opportunity to, uh, to just create a whole lot of havoc against whichever Titans quarterback. Will Levis did not practice yesterday mm-hmm. with a foot injury. Tannehill. Uh, don't love it. I mean, either guy under pressure. But Levis, Levis has the highest average depth of target in the NFL. Tannehill's high, too, because that's what the offense is doing. But Levis is just going to chuck it deep and see what happens. Um, Jags finally played better on the back ends. They have been getting torched in recent weeks defensively, no matter who they went up against, whether it was, it was the Bucks on Christmas Eve, it was uh, the Bengals a few weeks ago, Jake Browning's breakout game. The Jacksonville defense played their best game last week in, in quite a while. So they're going to need more of that in this must-win game against the titans
1: um this is (laughs) so you know you talk about narratives and how sometimes they can they can come from just statistical quirks that aren't necessarily real Trayvon Walker is currently on a run of six sacks in six games and he's now going up against the titans offensive line (laughs) he's gonna finish the season with like eight sacks in seven games and we're gonna be hearing all offseason about how he's turned a corner and he's become a superstar and his um, PFF grade, his pass rushing grade is 58, which is the same as it was a year ago.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting narrative around Trayvon Walker. He had a really nice sack last week, uh, lined up over the guard, had a really quick, a nice quick win. He had another one um, where he tracked down Bryce Young in a cleanup situation. Mm. Our friend Pete Prisco, got to get Pete on the podcast. Talk to old crotchety Pete crotchety. At, the, uh, at the Super Bowl or something. But Pete was trying to explain that he doesn't think Trayvon Walker's doing a great job you know, winning and yeah, I bet creating that went pressure. down well. And uh, despite the sacks, I'm yeah. you know, like, Pete, just use PFF grades, you know? You've been reluctant all these years. The grades will tell you the story. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly enough, the ESPN pass rush win rate, their win rate has him high, which I'm curious about with uh, Trayvon, but I'll have to talk to my ESPN friends when I see them over at Sloan next year. Either way, there is a narrative around Trayvon Walker that he's like an elite run defender and he's getting all this pressure, and I don't think... From what we've seen,
1: I don't think any either any, is true. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I don't think any positive uh aspect of the of the narrative on Trayvon Walker is true, other than his freaky athleticism, which does show up. Like, uh, I forget I was watching his tape recently. Um, might have been against the Bengals. I forget where it was, but there was one play in it where like he just jumps inside, absolutely whoops the offensive tackle, like that's that's amazing. Like there are not many tackles in the NFL that are gonna be able to live with that. So, the Euro step inside move. That He's he got had. some high end plays like yeah. that. Yeah. But you're like, that, that's why they drafted him, number one, because there's like only a handful of guys on the planet that can do that, even at this level. Like, it's him, it's Miles Garrett, it's Micah Parsons. That's pro- like, that might be it. That might be the end of the list. Um, but the difference is those guys do that five times a game,
0: and you do it once yeah. every other game. Um, we have him with 10 sacks. So, Yeah, Walker, 10 sacks.
1: Twice the number of last year with the same pass rushing grade. <laughs>
0: He's going to have 20 next year.
1: Yeah, well, I mean. Last year he had more penalties than that. That's the trajectory he's on. Double um, it every year. I will year. say,
0: I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be objective about this stuff. It's no bias either way. This was the point in Rashawn Gary's career where he turned things around. Rashawn Gary. But he also turned it around grading-wise. Fewer, he, but he turned it. I know that. Uh, but, so I'm saying, like, there's still, like, a world where the grading can turn around. Like, he'll, he can win more yeah, as yeah. well. And I think he's done well over the guard when you know nickel situations where you where you're rushing against guards you know, i'm not saying
1: yeah i'm not saying he doesn't do anything well ever but he plays almost all of the snaps so he's going to have some positive plays in his yeah, ta- like he's not a guy that simply has no business being in the nfl but he doesn't make enough positive plays relative like he's played 800 snaps already twice in his in his career last season was three shy of 900 this season he's already at 823 there are going to be some positive plays in there and because he's that freaky athletic the positive plays tend to look quite spectacular but when you're playing that much you need to do it more often like that's the bottom line and the thing with Rashawn Gary is yeah sometimes it's going to take two years or whatever to become that guy but when Gary started to get it 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 started to show quite early on in his grading whereas Trayvon Walker is just on a good run of
0: sacks no I get it I mean, Gary started in, like, the last quarter of his second season. Yeah. And he didn't play every – I will say Walker's been durable, played a ton of ball. Um, either way, we can pick the game. Jaguars favored by five and a half. AFC South on the line here. Jacksonville. Yeah, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to beat Tennessee, go to the playoffs, and host Joe Flacco and the Browns. Woohoo. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs, we're getting into the 425s now. Kansas City Chiefs at the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers favored by three and a half here, of course, against the Chiefs. Mm. Because Blaine Gabbert getting the start for Kansas City.
1: How many points is Blaine Gabbert
0: worth to the spread? I mean, it's Gabbert plus. Rasheed Rice is in play-in. And yeah. it's, it's the Chiefs' backups against, well, the Chargers' backups. It's Easton Stick.
1: Is Gabbert, starting. we have seen this in the past, is Gabbert worth a negative amount to the spread? don't know if gabbert plays are they actually worse than if a
0: replacement level quarterback plays he actually hasn't played that poorly in the last six years or whatever when he's had his few opportunities like the last extended time we saw was san francisco maybe and then you know it was okay in backup situations behind brady and tampa i know he threw a pick in one game this year and you were like oh of course it's playing Garrett. It's one play it's mm-hmm. only one play though so it's gabbert needs. it's all blaine needs it's really nothing to say here. The Chiefs are locked into the number three seed. Yeah. I mean, they're um, a team with nothing to play for. They have got nothing to play for. Um, the, the, the other interesting aspect here, and I've, I've pointed it out on the podcast a few times, the last six weeks or so, every Chiefs game has been against a team with more rest than them, mm-hmm. either coming off a bye or a Thursday night game or a Saturday game or whatever it might have been. And I, I feel like this might also be a way for them to just recapture some of that, some health, some rest. Um, It's not a full bye week. It's not the Andy Reid bye week deal, but it is. It's a week to reset, rest Mahomes, probably rest Kelsey, rest Rasheed Rice, whoever else they decide on both sides of the ball, get ready to host a playoff game next week, whether it's against Buffalo, Miami, could be Houston, could be one of five different teams, six different teams. But you do get to take a little break here.
1: Yeah, versus a Chargers team that's already down to backups anyway, just because of injuries.
0: Yeah. I mean, Chargers, they've played tough defensively the last few weeks. They've played better defensively since firing their defensive coordinator slash head coach, Brandon Staley.
1: That's not a great look for Staley.
0: Not at all. Uh, They've played better. You know, they're just, I think they're limited with uh, I don't, Easton Stick, I think, has actually played okay. But they're just so depleted at receiver. They're more hurt at receiver.
1: Quinton Johnson is, has not made any impact. Like, Alex Erickson has been the the alpha receiver for them at the moment, not Quentin Johnson, their first-round pick. He is a one-trick pony whose one trick is being
0: taken away. Yeah, no one's talking about Easton Stick and the lack of weapons that they've built around him. Right. No one's talking about that. No. People should be talking about that. The
1: Chargers have let down Easton Stick. They have.
0: They have. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's pick this game, Chargers by 3.5. Ugh, I hate picking the Chargers,
1: but Kansas City is going to arrest everybody. So, the Chargers...
0: East and stick. Uh, I'll still take Kansas City, I think. I
1: can't. No, I can't pick Blaine Gabbard. I can't do that.
0: Blaine Gabbard has Stop. never lost uh, an AFC West division game in December. Yeah. Just saying. Great nugget. It's first one. Speaking of great games, Los Angeles Rams at the San Francisco 49ers. Niners favored by four. Uh, again, nine, two teams... Locked into the playoff picture, but not seeding-wise. The Niners are the number one seed, so they're going with Darnold to start. Carson Wentz gets the start for the Rams, who are in the playoffs, currently the number six seed, with a beautiful storyline. Like, we're all rooting for this, right? Rams going into Detroit, Stafford's return to the team that traded him, Jared Goff, the team that got rid of him, and he's the higher seed. Like, that's what we want to see, right? Mm. But the Rams, instead of locking it in at six and playing for the win are saying, we're going to rest up. That's more important than the six or seven. They
1: don't care about your fairy tale ending. They want to win. They want a championship. You don't get championships by
0: playing stories. Now, there, there were times where I feel like teams looked at the potential tournament bracket, say, and they said we could have the number one seed or, you know, one and two, the one and two seed both were buys back in the day. Yeah. There were games where I felt like Belichick and the Patriots wanted— back in the day already? Back in the day. That was day. like three years ago. Just to whatever. remind people, we might have a whole bunch of Children. You know, Zoomers, you know, listen to us here. <laughs> Zoomers. So back in the day, there were times where I feel like New England was like, ah, oh, the two seed's better than the one seed because of whatever the, the seeding was going to look like. Right.
1: I the buy is the big thing. The buy has always been the big thing.
0: But, but, that, but I'm saying they didn't care about one versus no, two. No, I know. For this— the Rams could easily look at this and say, we could go to Detroit or we could go to Dallas. We would much rather go to Detroit. No offense to the Lions, but we would rather go to Detroit, in part because we saw what happened in Dallas before. They're tough to beat at home. We'll take our chances with the Lions. I don't think the Rams are making a, uh, a tactical decision as far as who they play here. I think they're just making a rest-the-starters Yeah, well,
1: that's the thing. I think whether it was the old system where the first two seeds had a had a buy or whether it's this system where only one seed has a buy, I think the buy is the important thing. Like the rest of it is just window dressing. And certainly I think teams are determining that the difference in risk between losing a seed and having to go to a different team is irrelevant relative to the risk of losing your quarterback in a game by playing him in a meaningless week 18 game. Um, I think the only way effectively that teams are deciding that it's definitely worth playing all out to get the seating change is if number one is still in play. If the difference is, is the bye week, if we can actually get a week off by playing hard in this game, let's play everybody and let's go for this. If the difference is just which venue are we going to, who cares?
0: Or maybe it's respect for the Lions. Your respect. It could be respect. We, you know maybe,
1: we're not, they, maybe we're, they not, know. we're not
0: more afraid of Dallas than we are Detroit.
1: Maybe they know that Matthew Stafford in Detroit doesn't go well
0: possible the run game disappears they've seen years of that yeah the refs will be against them There's no
1: calvin johnson this time
0: i'll say this too here's an interesting idea with detroit makeup calls we've talked about how oh. our makeup calls by design or simply <laughs> human nature
1: dude what if they get brad allen
0: the other than the saints i feel like the saints never get the calls but the, the the refs have not come around to the makeup calls yeah. yet for the Saints. They do a lot. They do a lot. Yeah, but I do wonder if there'll be this subconscious for the uh, Lions
1: first iffy call that goes Detroit's way in the postseason.
0: Uh, this might be pass interference, but remember we, we screwed him out of the two seeds. so mm. uh, there's no flag on the play. Yeah, you know, never know, right?
1: he Melifano will just tackle somebody deep down the field, and the official will be like, nope, No, play on, let him play." It's bang
0: bang. <laughs> bang, bang. What did you see on that play? I saw a bang, bang play.
1: Guy tackled, ball sails yep. 25 yards over his head. The rest like, it was a bang, bang play. Nothing I could do. Uncatchable.
0: Mm-hmm. Big something. Up.
1: And you can't review Pants interference, so there's not, our hands are tied. Um, can't do it. Yeah.
0: Niners favored by four here. Backups versus backups.
1: Darnold versus Wentz. This is an interesting QB yes. battle. Two what four. if the, I mean, this is, the Rams get a view of what could have been. You know, we went with Jared Goff, number one overall, and that worked for a bit, and then we got rid of him. What if we'd taken Wentz instead?
0: Learn a lot this week. <laughs> learn, a <laughs> learn a lot.
1: And then Sam Darnold, it's the play. It's the game that everybody's been clamoring for since Brock Purdy and, and Sam Darnold got there. Like, what would, what would Sam Darnold look like in this
0: offense? Probably an all-pro. Darnold's going to look bad with the backups. So like, See? Of yep. course Purdy's the MVP. Uh-huh. Darnold couldn't do this. Yeah, I'll take uh
1: Voting uh, the ballot is due, like, the next day, Monday. All, all pro. Mm, uh, all pro okay. awards. Awards, I think, is actually due the day after for some reason. But, yeah, the ballot is due a, after the week.
0: I have uh, people use me as an advisor for that. You're a consultant? You might have a vote, but I'm a consultant, a consultant. for multiple voters. Do
1: you, Are you able to charge a consultancy fee? I should. Because I'll take that over the vote. <laughs> like, if there's money to you be made. money, sir. Yeah. Uh, no, you you know the drill. You send them a text that says, I assume you have my details for payment. Yes. That's what you do. You hit that. You hit all of your, the people you're consulting for. You just drop that text to
0: them. Uh, who are you picking San Francisco by four here?
1: I'm going with the Sam Darnold-led San Francisco
0: 49ers. Yeah, I think I'll do the same. Because I don't think they, uh, the Rams aren't a great preseason team when they rest their guys. Well, it's good, yeah. They no. don't play well in the preseason.
1: Well, usually because the they season. don't have anybody playing in the preseason. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And they're doing that again.
0: Uh 425 game. Again, Dallas Cowboys at the Washington Commanders. Commanders are getting 13, so Dallas favored. Yikes. By almost two touchdowns here in Washington. If they win, they get the two seed.
1: Yeah. Which, as we sort of analyzed previously, is kind of meaningless.
0: Yeah, because, the, well, the two seed, you're— you're looking at, you could play the Rams, you could play the Packers, you could play the Seahawks. I mean, it's, you know, but you don't really know. They, they could all be anywhere. So. Yeah. The Packers could have a six seed.
1: It's more, it's probably more meaningful for Dallas because it, it does sort of determine how long you're going to be playing at home.
0: A Packers Lions first round playoff matchup would be interesting. I think that's still on the table.
1: Yeah. Washington, um,. It, Sam Howell is about to become the first quarterback to play a full 70, a full season schedule for Washington. I forget since what the last guy but a long time. Um, which is ironic because they benched him. Like He's about to become the first quarterback to play every single game in years. And they tried not to make that happen by sitting him down last week, only for Jacoby Brissett to pull a hamstring um, and him having to play anyway. And it sounds like he'll have to play this game as well. So he ends up being the first full-season starter for them in a long period of time, even though he has played himself
0: to the bench. In addition to, uh, my usual take is that quarterback health is very much on them and playing style. And the fact that he sometimes looks like a ping-pong ball mm. in the pocket and still remained healthy. after. Our, you know, that's impressive. Man's durable. Give him that. He's been durable. Um, last year, week 18, let's, I want to go back to what happened there. uh, Of
1: course you do, because the one thing more interesting than meaningless Week 18 games this year is previous Week 18
0: meaningless games. It wasn't a meaningless game. Wasn't it? Dallas, I think they needed to win for something. They were playing (laughs) for something. Um, We were sitting here defending Dak Prescott while the shouty shows kept saying, His interceptions are terrible! They're terrible! I don't care if they were dropped, they're bad. It's all on Dak Prescott, he's the worst. And we're like, no, 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 turnover-worthy plays are down. It's it's all right. Dak's taking care of the ball. And they go into Washington in week 18, Sam Howell's first start, mind you. They lose 26 to six. They had the playoffs locked up, but they lose 26 to six. Dak goes, do you remember this? 14 for 37, 14 for 37. With a 43 passing grade, I cannot believe how many grades in the 40s Dak has over the last two years. (laughs) Wow. He's got six in the 40s or lower over the last two years. I know he's got three this year. Last year he had a 36, a 43, and a 37. Mm -hmm. But they go into Washington last year. Dak throws a pick six. It was only one interception, but he was horrible. Three turnover-worthy plays and only one interception. Offset. And I'm not saying that's going to happen again this year. But it's just interesting scenario here that was sam howell's first start sam howell did pretty well it well enough that they gave
1: gave him the the starting
0: job this year that's why we're at uh that's why we why we are where we are but i think dallas Will not let that happen again, and they'll go and.
1: Yeah, win I'd this like game. to. I'd like to see Sam Howell at least go out on a half decent game. I mean, it's been kind of sad watching his decline over the course of the year. It was intriguing. He was exciting earlier in the season. It was a fun experiment. If nothing else, I am, I'm a big proponent or fan of giving these guys a shot. Right, these sort of fifth rounders who were intriguing and have the tool set and all those kinds of things, like they don't tend to get given starting jobs for a season. It doesn't happen. Um, Teams are too invested in the first round guy or the retread or the big money free agent or trade candidate or whatever. These fifth rounders just don't get given a shot. So on the one hand, it's disappointing that he hasn't been able to maximize it because it just, you know, it it entrenches that attitude of, well, those guys are fifth round picks for a reason. Let's not give them an opportunity. Um, But also from his perspective, like, he, he did have a shot. He has a lot of NFL tools and then has just kind of ridden it into a rut and hasn't been able to crawl his way out of it. And is probably that's the end of his opportunity. Like he'll be a backup now. But I'd, like, I'd at least like to see him go out on a high
0: note, even if it's the end of his, you know, starting career. They played on Thanksgiving in Dallas, of course, 45 to 10. But, you know, Washington played pretty well for the first, what was it? first half? That was another
1: play. one. Was, yeah, it was another one of those games that Washington held tough for a while. And then Dallas showed, like, when they're beating bad teams, they just put the gas pedal down to the bottom of the, of the, the floor and rack up, like, a ton of points quickly.
0: Commanders have lost seven straight. I expect it to be eight, um, even though I painted that picture of what happened last year. Their, mm-hmm. last, their last win was against New England in week nine. So Dallas favored by 13, with the two seed on the line, which which means that's a that's a second round playoff game. Yeah. I mean, a uh, home game. Home game, which that's for Dallas. That's the difference between maybe Detroit, you know, going to Detroit or Detroit coming to you, if you know, the seeding. I mean, I think happens.
1: there's a widespread perception that home field advantage means more to Dallas than most teams. Yes. Like they want to be playing at home. They do not want to be going on the road anywhere. This Forget, it you- doesn't matter whether it's indoors or outdoors. They want to be at home. And the two seed does give them an extra game doing that relative to others.
0: And, and it's not just that. The alternative is the five seed. So the alternative is there. Um, they don't win the division. The Eagles get the two seed. Right. And so, yeah, Dallas is playing to win. And so they don't leave Jerry World until they go to San Francisco, theoretically. Jerry This one. Uh, where are you going?
1: Uh, I am going to... Uh, I'm riding with Washington, keeping it with it, two touchdowns once. All right, I'll take Dallas. Come on. End it on a good note. Just a 10-point loss. That's all you need. That's
0: it. 10-point loss for your guy, Sam Howell. Uh, also at 425, Denver Broncos at the Las Vegas Raiders. we got uh, Jarrett Stidham and Aiden O'Connell going head-to-head here. <laughs> the,
1: this week will, assuming everybody starts that is supposed to start, this week will tie apparently an NFL record for the most quarterbacks used in a season, starting quarterbacks.
0: Didn't we break that last year? Uh, no (laughs) this
1: year has been unusually high like this year was was on a ridiculous pace and this week will set the record or tie the record if everybody that's reported
0: to start starts the added interesting element to that is as you're looking at nfl draft quarterbacks there are a legit 8 10 12 guys that you could see starting in the nfl like just when we watched aiden o'connell last year like you know you could see him being on a roster and getting spot starts and here he is there's a lot of those guys in college right now. So yeah. Interesting times as far as the QB position goes. Uh, Raiders favored by two and a half. I don't think any team, no team in the a- uh, AFC West will have a winning record. Is this
1: officially a, a dead rubber? This means nothing to anybody? Or Denver technically still alive? No, they're all out. Okay. There's nothing. So this is literally nothing to play for,
0: for anybody? Eliminated. Mm. Yeah. Denver could have a winning record, actually. They could go nine and eight. <laughs>
1: That would be quite impressive. One in five? Did they start? Yeah, that would be quite impressive nice as turnaround. a turnaround. Yeah. Even though it came, you know, even though you've blown it all up already by benching Russell Wilson and effectively declaring that you're about to plunge you, your team into salary cap hell and move in a different direction with no obvious one available, by the way. It's not like, you know, they don't have the number one pick locked in. They, they've just declared that Russell Wilson isn't the guy. We have no earthly idea who is, but it ain't him.
0: This is another game where the division teams played in week one and week 18. Yeah. Um, back in week one, it was Jimmy Garoppolo versus Russell. Wilson. I feel
1: like that's too far. Like I don't like the ones where they yeah. play two, two and th- times in three two weeks, and three weeks is yeah. obnoxious, but I also don't like it where it's one and 18. We're like, these are two completely different teams. Might as well be different seasons. Yeah. It's like completely irrelevant. What happened in week one? I, they need some sort of middle ground, right? If you're going to have them at week 18, I need like a week nine midway through the year.
0: The, uh, we had Mike Kliss on years ago. He's like the the Raiders just beat the Broncos all the time. What a, what are their recent records here? Got to take the Raiders, right? They own Denver.
1: Cuz of uh history. Cuz of history.
0: They lost to the Raiders twice last year. When was the last time they beat the Raiders, Sam? I don't
1: know. I'm you going tell through. me. You're looking.
0: Uh 21? Nope. Let's see 20. Where's uh where's Walt? We need to go check the chat. You're Somebody's going to have the page answer. Page by page, there's like a I'm going page by page, yes. <laughs> On our site. Uh, in twenty twenty, did they? Nope. It wasn't twenty twenty. Was it nineteen? I can't believe this is the podcast. The right Oakland now. Ra- yeah, they beat the Oakland Raiders. They've never beaten the Las Vegas Raiders. Never
1: beaten the Las Vegas Week Raiders. Week
0: seventeen of two thousand nineteen, the Broncos beat the Oakland Raiders. Let's see who are the QBs there. Drew Locke was the last Broncos quarterback to beat the Raiders against Derek Carr. There you go.
1: What a story. Glad we did that. That was an important piece of information to impart to the beat. I'm
0: not adding any other <laughs> analysis to this game. That's
1: all you got? I'll take the Raiders. Okay. Patrick, uh, Patrick. why do I keep calling him Patrick Peterson? Patrick Sertan against Devontae Adams is always, always a, fun. fun
0: viewing. Um, there were also uh, people pushing a little Tyree Wilson doing a little better rushing from the interior. I think there's Some kernels of truth there. Always interested in the... I mean, I like watching all these games for the player development and everything, but from a what-does-this-mean-in-the-NFL-season standpoint, of course, we know it. It's nothing. It's nothing. I'll take the Raiders covering the two and a half. Where are you going?
1: Uh, I went with Denver.
0: Oh, that's wrong. What? That's never going to happen.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Uh, Seattle Seahawks at the Arizona Cardinals. Seahawks favored by two and a half at Arizona. They've got playoff positioning on the line. Seattle uh, disappointing loss last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They need a win plus a green Bay loss or tie or some tie scenarios. Good. Thank you for not reading them out. Tie scenario.
1: <clears throat> Great game from Arizona last week, particularly the offense. I mean, the run game was dominant, but Kyla Murray had his best game since coming back as well. Um, I don't think that that necessarily matters. The more I think about the Kyla Murray situation, the more I think it's like they're, Default position as an organization, you know, new GM, new head coach, new structure has got to be given the contract he's already signed. Do we see anything in the final, however many games he played, to say that he can't be the quarterback? Otherwise, he's the guy because you're kind of stuck with him. You could move away from him, but like given he's there, he's young, he's talented, we've seen a lot of good from him in the past. I kind of assume that your starting point should be is there a reason this can't work? Otherwise, he's the guy. Uh, and I don't think we've seen one of those yet. I think he's shown physically he's 100%. You know, he's got a track record of having, of being an explosive playmaker as well as a, an athletic uh, threat. He's an accurate quarterback. He's always had a high adjusted completion rate, good ball location, all those kinds of things. So I think they're going to be going with him regardless of what happens. But they're in a, a team in a, in a situation where they have a shot at a really high draft pick, and they also have a shot of winning a game and taking them out of that so what do they do
0: play to win play to win you try to win here
1: you play to win the games
0: um you know arizona it's tough to i mean one of our i read the youtube comments one of our youtube commenters (laughs) said we didn't mention jonathan gannon as a part of last week's game with the eagles which is you know maybe an oversight by us right he was last year's defensive coordinator for the eagles
1: As, as part of the reason for the decline
0: well, as well, the, I think there's the decline and also, or just
1: that, as as a as a, a storyline in the game,
0: in that game in particular, as what, how they dominated the Eagles, um, and Gannon maybe has done a you know he's done a nice job, but trying to figure out what when the Cardinals are going to play their best game. Like they, the Cardinals have played some games this year where they looked like the team that should have picked number one overall. They've played other games this year where it's like, oh, good for Gannon because they have a number one overall team type of roster hmm. and they beat the Cowboys and they beat the Steelers and they beat the Eagles and they're really competitive it's don't know when those sh- those games are going to show up but in any given week man they ran the ball really well James Conner did a great job last week and what Seattle struggled with last week was tackling Seattle missed 15 tackles in the run game alone yeah with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren running all over them you know I'll, I'll reiterate I was trying to because a lot of people say, well, you gave up 200 yards on the ground. You lost in the trenches, which paints this picture of your defensive line getting moved like five yards off the ball every single time. It wasn't the case. Seattle was a disaster last week in, you know, gap assignment and missed tackles. It wasn't just a physical beatdown. But, you can, I mean, you could say it's a physical beatdown if you don't tackle well. But it wasn't like their defensive line just getting wrecked. So Seattle's got to do a better job of stopping the run because Arizona – is capable with James Conner back yeah. there, and, um, and they're capable any given week with Kyler Murray.
1: Definitely. I mean, Kyler Murray, he had his best game. He didn't have a ton of explosive plays uh, last week, but he's capable of those. Like, that's the thing that he brings to the table is he's, he's accurate. If they can establish a pretty powerful ground game and rely on the run game, and that, that's going to open stuff up for Kyler Murray as, as well. So, you know, I, I think Arizona's offense can, be, can do some damage against Seattle, and then... It's a case of do they have enough on defense to slow down the Seahawks?
0: So that part I don't think they do. Um, the, the first game was only twenty to ten. Seattle won at home, but Geno Smith's playing really well these last few weeks. Really since that Thursday night game against Dallas, he's played extremely well. Not great against San Francisco, but since that point, Philly, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, he's he's thrown the ball well. Couple fourth down. Um, sorry, I know the Eagles game was Drew Locke, but um, they've had a couple fourth. Uh, fourth quarter comebacks, both against the Eagles Monday Night Football and then that uh, Week 16 game against the Titans. Seattle should win this game, though. But the fact that it's, o- it's only two and a half at Arizona, that's saying, look, we, this Cardinals team's feisty. You never know when they're going to show up to play.
1: You don't. Um, I do wonder how motivated Arizona is going to be, though, to win this game. I mean, they are a team that can do themselves a lot of damage by winning another game. I agree and they're I mean, capable of beating anybody they're they could be anywhere that. from
0: 2 to 4 right as far as the
1: no they can be i mean they they are right now they're 4 they could get as high as 2 they I'm could sorry. also with a win drop themselves as far as like
0: 7 with a lo- what i should say with a loss yeah they could be anywhere from 2 to 4 so they, they have could, the potential but to be up at 2 or be They down. probably won't be
1: they they, they they their strength of schedule is actually a lot because they, they've beaten these good teams their strength of schedule is actually a lot worse or better whichever way you want to look at it than the two teams they're tied with but the point there is if they win another game their strength of schedule is so strong that it actually drops them below all of the other teams they'd be tied with as well so if they won and the Giants Chargers and Titans all lost they would drop below all of those teams in the draft order so they can drop all the way down to seven with a win here which would be I mean, that's, you know, they, they were expected to be the worst team in the NFL. We, yeah. we thought they would be picking one or two. If instead they end up picking seven with a team that wasn't much better than that, they just somehow timed ridiculous wins against Dallas, Philadelphia, yeah. and all those, that would be terrible.
0: It is probably in their best interest to, uh, to lose this game.
1: Yeah. Or at least, you know, not try that hard to win.
0: Exactly. All right, two and a half in Arizona. Where are you going with this one? Seahawks. Same. For that reason alone. Also, take the Seahawks. All right, just two more games yeah. in our regular season previews. How many games are there now? A million. 272? Yeah, I, I think don't there's know. 272. I forgot that math once it stopped so, being what it game was. Game 271 of our previews this year Philadelphia Eagles at the New York Giants. Eagles favored by five here. If they win, they're still rooting for Dallas to lose to potentially win the NFC East. Um, but the Eagles, hard to hard to not feel like they blew one last week against Arizona, not only losing the game, but they had a two touchdown lead and had the NFC East in their grasp. But yeah, the defense has been a dud. Um, they just, this is a rematch from Christmas Eve, just two weeks ago, Eagles and Giants where the Eagles won by five, I believe it was right. Um, favored by five here at the Giants.
1: Yeah. And I think it really has become a defensive problem now for Philadelphia. I think the offense is actually fine. Um, now, there's we're in this world of what's real and what isn't right there are are reports in the media that A.J. Brown's attitude is rubbing people the wrong way and it's causing a division in the locker room now A.J. Brown has come out and said there's no problem everybody's cool Uh, in fact I love Nick Sirianni he took a bullet for us when he said I was trying to play for the pass interference when actually we just dialed something up ourselves and it was terrible Um, and he didn't have to do that so you know if if that's all just an invention of the media, then the offense, I think, is in good shape and not a problem at all heading into the postseason. If there's something there, then maybe it's a bigger problem. But right now, their issue is they can't stop anybody on defense. Like the pass rush that was much better early in the year isn't anymore. The back seven was bad to begin with, and it's getting banged up and it's it's even worse. So they're looking at teams, no matter who it is and being like, we can't a two touchdown lead is not safe because we can't stop them.
0: It's, it's difficult for me as a, as a former pro athlete. So. Mm-hmm. And I've already referenced the 05 Tornadoes. You have. And the, the, the camaraderie and unity that we had. As, and I'm you know throwing a little bit more into my resume here. I'm a two-time Can-Am League champion. Yeah? Two different teams. Worcester Tornadoes, Nashua Pride.
1: Is that more impressive than doing it twice with one
0: team? I, mean, I had two different coaches. You know? I think it is. Two different playbooks. Yeah. It's like when Brady goes and wins with Bruce Arians. You have show you can impressed. win elsewhere. I had to show yeah. that I could win okay. outside of the cocoon of Worcester. Mm. You know? Um, but both of those, t- like, I'll just say, the, it's really a chicken or an egg thing. Going back to this A.J. Like, is A.J. Brown's attitude the reason why the Eagles can't cover? And the reason why they gave up over 200 yards on the ground last week. Is that why? Yeah. Because A.J. Brown. It doesn't feel like it. His attitude right so my point like the 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 locker room stuff it 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 really is like winning takes care of that so a lot of times you're winning and it's like i i like my teammates i mean i do at, like this act right. i like the environment and then you start losing and it's like oh man these oh, it's 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 the attitudes nobody's yeah. nobody's coming to work i mean look at the steelers
1: right like they 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 had a locker room a few weeks ago where George Pickens was like, I'm not blocking for this guy, I don't want to get hurt. And the team like the guy he wasn't blocking for was like, I mean, I'd have blocked for him. That's pretty weak. Like, that's that's pretty bad in terms of what can happen in in the locker room, and then they win from that point on. So nobody cares. And everybody's joking with George Pickens. It's like, hey, George, go score another one, win us this game, and everybody's happy, right? You're right. Like winning takes care of most of these things. Um, but when you start to head into the postseason, like all of this stuff gets magnified because it, the pressure's higher because it's you know, there's no margin for error. It's win or go home.
0: And if there's anything not right, the, the analysis is usually like a post-mortem though. It's like, why have the Eagles lost four or five? Oh man, they've been at odds. You know, it's been rough. They're the locker, AJ Brown. It's it, it, like, it's always like a post-mortem. It's never like foresight. Nobody's ever like, man, Eagles have this fractured locker room. Let's see how it plays out. Oh no, they just won six in a row. I guess it's okay. Right. You know, I mean, but I doubt it. Nobody does it ahead of time. No,
1: but I doubt. But if it is a thing and it does exist, even if you've papered over it by winning, it probably doesn't
0: help your endeavor to win a Super Bowl. I guess I I do. I just want to be honest with like I struggle with as as an analyst who relies a lot on numbers. In my eyes, I struggle with the thing that we don't see that is coming from like third hand sources. Yeah, right. I struggle with that stuff. I don't think it doesn't exist. Well, yeah, I I felt it. Right. My point is, I felt what it feels to be good and what it feels to be on a bad day, like where where it doesn't feel good. I I understand that. I just don't know how to add it to the equation.
1: The problem is twofold. Number one, that it is very dependent on whether you're winning or losing. And number two, that we have no idea if it's invented or not and if it's real or not in this particular or in any individual scenario, right? It could be it's absolutely a thing and half the locker room hates a given guy, right? And it's pissing people off and they're not focused because of it. And it is an issue. Or it could just be, some random guy in the media heard something, put it out there, and now it's, some, now it's something that everybody has to talk about because we've seen a couple of video clips of a guy
0: looking pissed off on the sideline. You know what I mean? Like, So remember- Oh, the side, the sideline stuff drives me <laughs> crazy, though. Like, remember, Absolutely crazy, and pe- we let people get away with it.
1: Remember there was a narrative for a long time of what a problem Jay Cutler's body language was, right? Because he just has a default facial expression of misery. Like there's that meme where he has like Resting a cigarette, face. yeah, yeah, where he has like a cigarette dangling out of the corner of his mouth, and that looks like how he should exist at all times. And there was because Jay Cutler was Jay Cutler, this became like a thing of well, his body language is bad, therefore the team stinks and he doesn't win, and you know he's not as good as he should be. It's like well, maybe he just looks like that, and it's irrelevant, and the, this only exists in the head of the people who are talking about it. I we don't know either way. Like it could be we're not in the locker room. We don't know if the entire team spends their time going, man, our quarterback's bummed out. That's why we can't win. Or if it's just, that's what he looks like. He has resting, you know, Cutler face. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do about it. Like, RCF. the Manning face. That didn't stop them winning games. So, who knows?
0: Anyway. Uh, Philadelphia, I mean, just for, so what's happened to the defense? Since week 11, they, remember they beat Kansas City, Monday night football, 21-17. to So, they allow 17 to Kansas City. Since that point, 34 points to the Bills, 42 to the 49ers, 33 to the Cowboys, 20 to the Seahawks, which had Drew Lockett quarterback who led a game-winning drive against them, 25 to the Giants, and then 35 to the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, I think they're going to beat the Giants. I, I, I'll even pick the Eagles to cover. But the defense is a massive issue to the point where if they are the five seed going to Tampa or New Orleans, if there's a, you know if, if that ever happened, there's concerns. Their whole back seven, the cornerbacks, the linebackers, the pass rush isn't good enough right now. Uh, they have. They're still a talented team, but nothing's working on that side of the ball, and that's an issue for the Eagles. I'm with you too. I think the the offense I've had concerns about too, but they have enough pieces. Hertz looks healthier. Yeah, and you know I think they can they could do what they need to do I, offensively.
1: I think they've actually turned it around a little bit now. Again. Remember a few weeks ago that the narrative was nothing they do in the last few weeks is gonna matter because they're going up against the Giants twice in the Cardinals. Oh, you're being influenced. Now, they lost one of those games, so apparently there is something to be taken from it. But the point being you have to factor in the fact that everything should be looking better. So even though we're saying the offense does look better, it was expected to. So it might not be real. It might just be, you know, par. It might just be they've met expectations. But that is more than you can say for the defense which has not been able to meet expectations, even adjusting for the fact that they're going up against worse teams. Um, you have to be concerned by the total lack of pressure this, this team is applying right now. Like nobody is getting a ton of heat on the opposing quarterbacks, even though they've got some good players up front. Like Hassan Reddick a couple of weeks ago had a six pressure game against the Giants, you know, against a bad offensive tackle on that side. That's it, though. Like, Josh Sweat has chipped in with a couple of pressures, Brandon Graham, Jalen Carter, but they're not
0: dominating up front anymore. Uh, the two lowest pass rush grades, to your point, for the Eagles this year, week 14 at Dallas, week 17 last week against Arizona. Now, Dallas, you get, you understand why that could happen, but Arizona, and hmm. that offensive line, you should, the Eagles do not have that dominant pass rush that they not only had last year on the Super Bowl run, but they've they've been a top-five pass rush team, I think, every year back to... 2016. Yeah. Um, I mean,
1: it's a team institutional philosophy. Like, make sure we have
0: pass rushers and not just four of them, six, seven, eight. They're still seventh right now in team pass rush grade. So they're still, like, season-wise, but the last few weeks have not been great. All that said, I mean, they're a better team than the Giants. We're going to see Tyrod Taylor. You know, can he create some big plays? He, he came back. He came out uh, in relief of T- uh, Tommy DeVito on Christmas Eve. hmm and uh, did bring the Giants back a little bit. But, all right, Eagles favored by five here.
1: The other last element of that defensive um, performance a week ago was the same as the Seahawks, missed tackles. They missed 13. We were talking about Seattle missing 15, okay, just in the, <laughs> the run game. So theirs was worse. But this the Eagles adding to the problems on defense by missing tackles is not yeah. helping either.
0: I, I mean, a few weeks ago I, I, I thought they just looked tired because they ran into this run. I mean, they they just looked bad. Yeah. They just looked bad hmm um i'm gonna
1: bank on the giants and tyrod keeping this within five given I, their defense. i am
0: too i think i am too i think we have the same picks across the board a couple differences all right game of the week time sunday night football game 272 is it 272 you keep asking that like 282? i'm gonna
1: know any more this time than i did the 281? last time you asked the Some, question
0: 282 whatever it is Buffalo Bills at the Miami Dolphins. AFC East on the line. Bills favored by three in Miami. Of course, rematch they played back in week three. And still week turning. four. Buffalo won 48 to 20. Big lots, lots changed since then, too. Mm. Matt Milano was still there for the Bills. Bills defense was cooking at that point. Um, Miami offense was cooking too. They were coming off a 70 point game with Denver before they, they were. went to Buffalo. Um, over these last couple of years, though, we've noticed, I mean, we've seen uh, last year in Miami. Now, granted, it was early in the season, but in Miami, they beat the Bills 21 to 19. Remember, that was like the heat index was 1,000 or whatever it was. Yeah. Then they played in only the snow.
1: On, only on Buffalo
0: sideline, though. Only on Buffalo sideline. Then they played in the snow in Buffalo week 15. And then they played in Buffalo for the playoffs without Tua. So the home field has been a huge part of the Dolphins' Bills these last couple seasons. So in Miami, but it's a night game. So you're not going to get the, the heat problems. Yeah. You know,
1: It is funny trying to nail down the sort of the narrative or the perception on this Miami team right now because it's all based off that Baltimore game. Like, they got absolutely smacked by the Ravens in a game where the number one seed was on the line, and now it's like, well, the number one seed is gone. Um, and actually now we're going to say, not only are you out of the number one seed running, but, like, Buffalo's a better team. You know, Miami is not even... They've they've sunk so far away from the number one seed conversation that we're talking about them still as the team that doesn't beat good teams, and are they even better than Buffalo, who could jump them for the division with a win here? It's it's sort of crazy how far the the, the analysis on them has slipped based off just that one absolute beatdown against the Ravens.
0: But I, I think a lot. I think that also feeds into what the rest of the season has been
1: yeah it, well they were before all that they were the team that you know only beat bad teams didn't beat good teams but then they beat dallas now okay it's not like their offense cooked in that game but dallas has a good defense and a you know crazy good pass rush and it sort of makes sense for that to be a relatively low scoring game even and early in the game you know everyone was scoring at will it was a It's just a weird game. Anyway, they end up getting the win, so they did beat a good team. But then it all comes crashing down because they follow it up by getting wrecked.
0: But you made the point after that game that Dallas had a lot of missed opportunities in that one. Um, We also made the point when Dallas got whooped by Buffalo. Hey, you know, a couple plays go the other way, and it's not as bad of a beatdown. Even though it was well-earned by Buffalo, but you get a couple plays— the other way and dallas is closer in that game i think that stuff matters
1: but i think this is just the the, the nfl this year where outside of baltimore who every time they've been faced with one of these games has been decisive and you know resounding in their victory and san francisco who outside of a couple of wobbles have been like that everybody else just doesn't have the, the consistency like they hit a game where they get destroyed by somebody and then Every team has one of those. And I just I don't know that there are, outside of those two number one seeds and two favorites, there are the dominant teams that we thought they were. So we keep, you know, every week, one week it's going to be Miami as the team of the, the moment. The next week it's going to be Buffalo. Then Kansas City might get it together for a week. I think we're just going to be bouncing around these teams, but they're all kind of at the same level. It's just that it has a wide range of possible outcomes in any given weekend.
0: Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with this. I, I think the, the, the perception is that Buffalo is a powerhouse team that would just shoot themselves in the foot over and over again. And it's their fault why they lost. It's, the, it's Buffalo's own fault right. why they lost to Denver and why they lost to the Jets in week one, right? It's their own fault. Whereas with Miami, and I don't know if this is the wrong narrative, with Miami, it's like Dallas. They'll beat up on the bad teams. And when they get, when they get to a good team— they struggle. And here's here are some of the, the points I would make around that where that, that could be the case. Like when they faced Buffalo in week four, it wasn't, there isn't some like magical game plan to beat the Dolphins offense other than they just made the throws tighter. Like they were just more sound in coverage against this, this Miami team. They crowded the middle of the field. Baltimore did a lot of the same stuff. Miami has struggled offensively against Buffalo, the Chiefs, and the Ravens, three of the better defenses in the AFC. Miami's defense, did they turn a corner in the second half of the season? Remember all the on-off, the uh, without, wit Jalen Ramsey. How much of that was true, or how much of that is when you go back through Miami season, here are their top coverage grades. Jets, Patriots, Patriots, mm-hmm. right? Like, all, Jets again, Broncos in week three, Raiders with Aiden O'Connell, Commanders, Giants. Those are their best coverage grades. Their worst grades, Ravens, Bills, Cowboys, all of the best quarterbacks that they played, right? How is Miami a team that is just as good as their opponent? They're great against bad teams, and they, they're just another team when it comes to some of these elite teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not even just perception, though. Like, the, the Bills are favored by three points on the road. and I, if, if Miami had even made it a close game against Baltimore and lost, how, mu- how different would that line be? It just feels like all of the perception right now about Miami is based off that one game where they got destroyed by the Ravens. And that's not, you know, they're not the only team that that that's happened to. Like the 49ers got wrecked the week before, immediately bounced back and showed they're still the 49ers. So I'm, I'm just curious how much of this whole analysis of Miami that isn't just, you know, us talking, isn't just the sort of media, the shouty shows, but is Vegas as well, is Completely yeah. constructed off that one game that was the last thing we saw.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I still think Miami's good, and obviously, you know, I think two is playing really well. I, I think he played better than the stats. There were some rough ones in there in the middle of the field, but um, the offense is still capable of being explosive. The defense now they lose Bradley Chubb last week. They had a, their worst pass rushing outing as a team last week, anyway. Yeah. And then they lose Bradley Chubb, um, so there are concerns on both sides of the ball. But they're a better team at home. Um, they did beat Dallas at home, right? So I think it'll be a great game. That's why it's Sunday Night Football. The number two seed is on the line. My, uh, I, I don't think Miami can drop below the six seed, perhaps. But they, you know, this is for the AFC East. Buffalo can clinch. A, so Buffalo wins, they get the number two seed. Um, Buffalo can also clinch a playoff berth with a tie or a Pittsburgh loss or tie or a Jacksonville loss or tie. Or Texans Colts tie, so if we get that Texans Colts tie mm. on Saturday night, Buffalo's like, all right, we're in, we made it. They're good. Don't even need to show up. I mean, you do because you want that two seed. Nah, do you want to play in Buffalo? I'm looking forward to the game though. Yeah, um, and I think you know, I think it's safe to say the last few weeks Buffalo has done a nice job of uh, showing that they can win in different ways and with the run game. And Josh Allen didn't play well at all last week against New England. Um, I do think the passing conditions in Buffalo are a factor, but he didn't play well at all, but they still pulled it off because they forced, forced a bun- bunch of turnovers.
1: Yeah, they're a weird team, Buffalo. Um, they, they've they rescued their season, and I think they are a team in this AFC that can beat anybody in the playoffs, but I don't know if they've shown that they can do it for a run that they would need to to make, you know, to make a Super Bowl or to win a Super Bowl, but they're certainly a team, if they do make the playoffs, that I don't think anyone is going to be happy about
0: playing in the postseason. No. They um, – that's why they have the, the higher Super Bowl odds.
1: Also all foreseeing uh, if Josh Allen breaks out more
0: rugby plays. Crazy <laughs> laterals out of the tackle. Oh, high-end Josh Allen is amazing um, when he's feeling it. It uh, looks like Daquan Jones is back. Is that right? For Buffalo? Am I looking at the wrong game? Did he come back last week? Did I miss that? It's good stuff. <laughs> at all was making a lot of plays up front did jones play last yeah he he came back with 28 28 snaps um but he was playing really well early in the season had a 91 grade against miami that first time around
1: yeah it's not i mean losing him earlier in the year he was on an absolute tear um it was a big loss as part of the sequence of losses they had on that defense that you know, you can make a fairly reasonable argument that it's, even if you're going to be able to withstand that, it's going to take a while to, for it to work out and figure out what the defense looks like without some really key
0: players at each level. That's, the, that's what's, I think, been interesting about the Bills' season. They had to deal with a loss of Matt Milano and, and um, Tredavious White. They had to deal with some of those losses. They yeah. bring in Rasul Douglas. and
1: Who's been incredible. For them. And,
0: and just like offensively, they, they moved on from Ken Dorsey, kind of reshaped the offense a little bit. Um, so they, that's, that's what happens in a 17-game game Season, You have to make those adjustments, but the Bills putting themselves in position to uh, get the number two seed and make a playoff run here. Sounds like I'm going Buffalo. I didn't mean to be so negative toward the Dolphins. I'm just trying to lay out some facts here coming off that loss against the Ravens.
1: Yeah, I've also gone Buffalo, but I, I do think that there's a chance that we get something of a Miami backlash off the back of that game to you know remind people that they're still a pretty imposing offense.
0: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll take Buffalo. But um, I think it'll be a good game. I think it'll be close. But I'll take the Bills to cover the three, get the two seed, pushes Miami probably to the six. So, yeah, we could be looking. At, like, one of these teams is probably going to play the Chiefs in week one in Kansas City in the, in the Wild Card weekend. That's a great fun. Great game. Whoever and I could come back and say I think either team can go in there and win. Yeah, that's fun, um, whichever team it is. So that's a great potential we, uh, Wild Card matchup there. Is that it for the regular season? I believe so. That's it for us. Well, that was fun. We appreciate everybody. We appreciate everybody being here for the regular season. You guys are so good that we've been nominated for Best American Football Podcast. So we appreciate everybody being a part of this, helping us get nominated. Please go help us by uh, voting. Mm. Link in the description so that we can all win it We together. would very
1: much like to win an award. Not We'd just love to win. We want
0: to be award-winning. We do. Not just this award that we stole. Yeah. But like a real one uh-huh. that we can put up here. We will, you know. I wonder if there's a, a, a like a trophy. Oh, I'm sorry.
1: I mean, it's a digital ceremony. Does that mean it's a digital trophy? Or do we get we got hardware out of this? It's probably a... Uh, it's in the mail?
0: Whatchamacallit? What the An NFT? Yeah.
1: <laughs> NFT. NFT trophy. Is that how
0: we give out our awards still? I don't know. Or did we can that? Somebody else does that. That's so now. 2021. Yeah. Nobody does that anymore. That's
1: another thing that's uh, somebody else's responsibility these days. We used to
0: have a lot of responsibilities that you've passed off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it. Week 18, enjoy the football. We'll be back here again Monday morning reviewing all the Week 18 NFL action.